Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas for $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Hey, does anyone want to learn French with me? Because I've decided in 2024 that I want to learn French. And thankfully, I have Rosetta Stone. So you better hop on and so we can learn French together. Rosetta Stone has the amazing true accent feature, which is so helpful, especially in French. You get feedback on how well you're actually pronouncing words. Plus, they have 25 languages to choose from. So if you're not going to learn French with me, I'm sure you can find some other people who will learn a language with you. But I'm on the French team this year. Come on, folks, join me. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, and that's why we drink listeners, can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash drink. That's rosettastone.com slash drink. Ah, all right, take it away, Christine. <laughs> ah, I was hoping you'd start that way. Uh, I'm very glad that my improv abilities kicked in immediately. Hello, mom and dad. <laughs> wow. Okay. So, hmm. Our our first uh, hypothesis uh, back in 2017 went a little different than expected. Uh, more people than just our moms listened to this episode. Oh my gosh, I can't believe it. It's so weird because, well, okay. Hello, everyone. This is our 200th episode. Welcome Uh, to us being arguably the most extra we've ever been. Can you believe it? This is so (laughs) wild. I've been so emotional like the last two days. Christine texted me yesterday out of nowhere just to say, I'm proud of us. And I went, oh my God. I was so emotional. I texted my mom. I was like, I can't believe we're doing our 200th episode. Uh, Em, did you listen to the first episode? I did. We sound so tiny. I got hives. I was like, I can't do this. (laughs) I had to do it in chunks. I was so stressed. I was really... uh, embarrassed for myself I've just because like not that there's really a right or wrong way to podcast but obviously we didn't entirely know what we were doing yet and uh (laughs) just I think we've we've uh it's a nice hmm it's a nice pinpoint in the scrapbook of my memories to be like oh look how much I've grown like I don't really talk like that anymore and I'm I'm like, look how little I've grown. I sound just exactly (laughs) the same. And I drink just as much. But did you do you remember recording it? I remember where we were sitting. I remember it kitchen table. We kicked Blaze and Alexander out of the room. And I was so nervous. Oh, my God. I remember not really knowing you well. Gio fucking hated me. And I (laughs) hated him. Let's talk about that. Uh, (laughs) Gio, really, you guys did not get along. We did not. It was one of those friendships where, like, later on, your first, like, real confession to each other is, when I first met you, I thought you were a bitch. And, (laughs) but, like, now I love you. That was the relationship we had, for sure. It was, oh, my God. I I honestly am. I was, like, 
like emotionally i was like tearing up listening to it i was, it was like this is so a weird glimpse into our friendship it was one of those things i obviously hello i'm dramatic so one of my <laughs> uh things that i do often that probably no one else does is when i get really nostalgic i play things in my head like a dramatic montage that they do on like the 100th <laughs> episode of a tv series and like it like all the flashbacks like kind of play one by one and i was thinking when i listened to that episode like you said uh, that like you were nervous about getting on stage for improv and like look what the fuck has happened to us since so like and so, you were like yeah I would never get on stage <laughs> <laughs> well it's wild to think that when we were having that conversation I we really knew nothing about each other and no. you were so, telling me about so Linda you were talking about Linda and I was like oh like I had no concept of who Linda was <laughs> now I'm like oh my god can you imagine a world in which I don't know Linda it was one of the last days where you didn't know I was a clown and yeah, it, well I that's the one part that I really miss is that part of my life where I didn't have that information also to get uh per, like selfishly sappy too like I I had no idea you'd introduce me to Allison. Like, like I know. I didn't either. Trust uh, me. We had no idea I would officiate your wedding either. Like, a wow. lot of things would happen. Uh, specifically wow. to me. So not Specifically e- to you. I know it was your wedding, but, you know, we I know I take backseat and watch it happen, as usual. I'm good. Um, I, let's put it this way. At your wedding, I was center stage. You were slightly to my right. I'm I got- just saying. <laughs> right you were you're right you were literally in the middle of the church like or it's not a church but like in the middle of the aisle that's true um well okay so did i we wrote some notes i think here on like things that happened sure did or Uh, do you want to talk about like what's happening we have uh, big news hmm. i guess let's say that we have we have wow okay oh my gosh so much is going on we Mm. didn't prepare for this very well so that's nothing's changed in that regard 200 episodes might as well be one so um (laughs) hmm yeah let's talk about uh let's talk about the big news first let's get all updates out of the way okay 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 big news big news we've been working on a big project it was m's amazing idea and it's come to life i take it away Oh my goodness. So, um, I don't know if it was, it was, it was a small idea that, uh, just kind of spiraled, which seems to be our chaotic neutral. Correct. And, um, obviously I, I don't read books. So, um, <laughs> obviously that has also not changed since, but I, one. <laughs> but I do read comic books and, uh, I thought, wouldn't it be cool if we had an, and that's why we drink comic book. And so, we decided that we were going to uh, hire one of my friends who is a very wonderful artist. His name's Justin. And uh, he made a comic book of our first episode that we did. I mean, I was like, oh, okay, Em. I mean, go for it. I don't really know what that means. But it is, I mean, great. Good on you because it is like just good, primo i'm good, I'm good so on justin excited. i had the idea and then he just ran with it but it's so it's so cool guys. it's a, and also again because i don't read it's a very short comic book it's only like a, a hand like a dozen pages or so but there's so much art and detail that went into it and like he found a way to make like jonestown like uh yeah lovely. It's, <laughs> it's like the top it's like basically a comic book of us telling going through our first episode so like uh uh winchester and then jonestown but like in comic book form with us as kind of like guides it's so cute i'm so excited very precious so anyway uh that is now as of the time you're listening to this available but we only have a limited amount of comic books comic books have very specific guidelines you have to follow apparently so you have to order them in a very specific amount like a, a certain batch of sorts and then like yeah 
so anyway, we only have a certain amount. There's only a couple hundred out there, right? Or no, a couple thousand. There's 5,000. I'm not sure how many we ended up with. But it's, it's either not. 500 or 5,000. So it could be <laughs> really, knows? really rare. Could be Let's really, really rare. Um, but if while it's available, it might only be available for like today only, then, uh, yeah, we'll <laughs> then uh, you can get that at our website. So thank you, Justin. And I get that at com because it's yes. being sold through our merch folks. Um, they're lovely enough to help us sell, send those out. So thank you, Justin. Um, thank you to our merch folks. Thank you to everybody listening um, who's, who is considering buying one. I'm going to buy one because <laughs> I, I don't know how else to get my hands on a copy. Um, so I'm very excited. And then we have other merch selling too, right? We do. Okay. So we thank you to Eva because my ass would have forgotten. Um, but so Eva actually brought one in. Uh, if you happen to recognize this um, let me do like a little backsplash if you were to recognize this this is one of our original wine glasses so uh if you recall from a couple episodes ago last time christine was in town i surprised her in decorated our entire apartment and like unboxed everything right and while i was there uh and when i was unboxing things i found just so much like old school first time merch. I had basically taken it from my house where it had been stored in a closet for over three years Mm -hmm. and then just dumped it in the apartment. So (laughs) yeah. And it used the last time that we used that merch was when Christine was literally shipping everything out from like from house of pies. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, and so then we ended up working with a merch company and then we never really had to ship that stuff out. So we never thought about it again, but, um, I realized how much stuff we still had. And so we have original wine glasses. We have original koozies that uh, used to get sent out to all of our Patreon people That when we had like yeah. 10 Patreon members. Uh, yeah. That, that was uh, one of your, your special gifts. And uh, all of the original, and that's why we drink shirts that I personally screen printed on my lunch breaks at my old yes. job. Um, uh, at work and handmade them and then geo hand covered them in his own dog fur that's so, true the, yeah. they're the ones you might have seen them um before or um on on tour a lot of people who had original shirts would wear them um to our shows but on the back it has it looks like a tour it was us manifesting a tour one day right and it was uh the locations were the original 10 stories that we covered so there's like guyana for jonestown (laughs) like you know this day people are like did you really go to guyana and yeah we did (laughs) we went to the jungle (laughs) (laughs) um but uh anyway so we we only have so many of those and they are never. They are never going to be made again. I'm never going back to my old job to screen print these shirts. That so. is not. I'm never going on to like uh, custom ink or wherever I was making those <laughs> wine glasses and like hand spinning the logo. So whatever we have left, we are now also for our 200th episode. We are putting that out on our website as well. So yeah. please go get that while you can. It's a limited edition. It's like We're a not throwback to our OG merch. Exactly. Um, what else was I going to say? Was there one more thing? Yes, there was. So. Also speaking of merch, we are very aware that our uh, Black Friday slash Cyber Monday deal went a little too well. And a lot of things are completely sold out. Oh, Um, I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, That's exciting. Yeah, it went really well. A lot of people have also been asking us to, you know, offer merch again or to put out more sizes. So we are on top of all that. But just so um, everyone is aware, if you're hoping like, oh, I hope I can get something before the holidays, um, there's a chance that we're probably not going to have things back in stock again until after the holidays. Um, right. So just be prepared 
for that. So there but- there are things available still, a few things that, that are still available, but then a lot of the ones that are, are out of stock, basically, you're saying are... They won't be restocked. Yes, exactly. Okay, they will be. They will be eventually. But if you're hoping to get it by Christmas, I we cannot promise that that's the case. Um, Just letting you know, it will be there eventually, though. There's a live laugh lemon hoodie, y'all. So somebody better get on that (laughs) and buy that before it goes out of sale. Because I'm gonna be mad. Speaking of lemon, uh, what we have a a guest, an honor, (gasps) an honorable guest today. You brought lemon. I brought lemon. Um, My uh, sweet boy. Everyone here at Cast Studios is just calling the authorities. (laughs) Just like they're like, I don't want to do this anymore. I fucking quit. (laughs) Um, Here is a a dried up lemon from a hotel (laughs) encased in glass. Um, I I, I just wanted to prove to everybody because for the last year he's been with me during quarantine and everyone thinks I like killed lemon. Who's Including a me. lemon, by the way, a dead <laughs> lemon already. He's already but dead. Everyone, like, I'm not saying I get legitimate hate mail, but I get a lot of people like getting real wordy uh, in de- in defense of lemon, being like, "Where the fuck is he?" Because you won't show us to him on Instagram Live. I was you- starting to get worked up. People were like try- riling me up in my DMs, like, "You need to make him prove it." He's fine. I'm holding him is. hostage. If he, anyone asks, he's doing great, and he'll agree today, and then he goes back in the closet. So he has to hold up a newspaper with today's date on it to prove. To <laughs> he has prove to do to like a, like a free Britney thing and like wear a, a yellow shirt or something. <laughs> he's he's wearing a yellow shirt. Oh my y'all. gosh, that means he's Wait in trouble. <laughs> uh oh. Anyway, help. Lemon's in the house. So there you go. Thanks, Lemon. Love I miss you. you. <laughs> Love you. Mean it. Um, wow. Um, well, that's a very exciting update. Thank you. You're welcome. Explore new possibilities, pleasure zones, and find your vibe at funlove.com. Funlove.com is a leading online retailer of sensual health and wellness products, offering a wide array of premier brands of toys, lingerie, and accessories. I know I've talked about it before, but we received the most lovely gift basket from Funlove. First of all, I didn't know what it was at first, and then when I pulled out a vibrator, I thought, oh boy, this is not your everyday fruit basket. There was everything, I'm telling you, from sexy perfumes to toys to vibrators to lube. I mean, I gotta say, it's like a one-stop shop, okay? If you go to funlove.com and you're looking for maybe a romantic evening, either with a loved one or with yourself, they've got what you're looking for, I can promise you. So what are you waiting for? Explore, discover, indulge, and make love fun by visiting funlove.com. And if you live in Arizona or Colorado, check out one of their 18 store locations. Hey, maybe I'll stop by when I'm in town. And for a limited time, you can save 30% off your first order when you use the code DRINK at funlove.com. Head to funlove.com today and use code DRINK at checkout to save 30% off your first order. Visit funlove.com today. You know when you've got the holidays, the new year, and then all of a sudden it's sort of back to the grind? Especially if you run a small business, it can be really hard to get back into the swing of things, but Stamps.com is here to make that a little bit easier for you. Stamps.com streamlines all your mailing and shipping to turbocharge your operational efficiencies. For 25 years now, Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses, whether they're mailing out checks, invoices, legal documents, books, podcast branded koozies, maybe that's just us, or anything else. Get access to the USPS and UPS mailing services you need to run your business right from your computer anytime, day or night. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. And with rates you can't find anywhere else, like up to, get this, 89% off USPS and UPS, how could you go wrong? 
We have loved stamps.com for years, not quite 25, but since we started the podcast, which was 2017, and we could not get by without it. I remember there were days where we didn't have stamps.com, those I call the dark ages, and I was hand shipping everything and driving it on my lunch break to the post office. It was all very hectic. Stamps.com, I do it straight from my house, and it makes my life a trillion times easier. Keep your mailing and shipping moving at the speed of your business with stamps.com. Sign up with promo code DRINK for a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale no long-term commitments or contracts just go to stamps.com click the microphone at the top of the page and enter code drink um also before i forget uh because we obviously started with uh you know wine and a milkshake i did bring a little milkshake in before people are wondering it's hanging out right here Okay, well, since since we're doing that then i i just want to add that in the first episode i was drinking boxed Trader Joe's wine, and this morning I drove all the way to Trader Joe's. Uh oh, <laughs> whoops! And I bought this box Aww. of Trader Joe's Shiraz, and I had a chocolate milkshake. So look at us! Um, look, oh my god! I, I just us. sent Eva a picture of my shopping cart. I had to wait in line in twenty nine degree weather because Trader Joe's is has a line out the door. So but I was, you're going like, to be standing in line. real warm after you drink that, baby. Yeah. So don't worry. So um, I'm gonna open this while you tell your updates. You're gonna crack into it. Crack into it. Okay. Well, now that we've uh, had that little 200 episodes later moment, <laughs> I would like to give you two updates. So okay. one of them, I'm nervous. Well, I'm nervous about both of them to tell you. I'm nervous about everything. Well, one of them I'm nervous about because by the time this episode comes out, fingers crossed, it will be completely done. But um, oh. I haven't finished it yet, so I feel nervous. And I'm motivated by fear that I uh, <laughs> that I actually get it done in time. But as I I couldn't do this, I feel bad because you're for our 100th, you were here, and wow, was that an extravaganza where there were was yes presents galore. And as I, felt, I posted on Instagram, I lost my security deposit to the confetti. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that's was how a, big of a celebration it was. That was one way to go. Um, <laughs> But uh, I feel bad that, like, we have to do this digitally and you're not here for to get any presents. So I was like, well, I want to give Christine some sort of digital present. What? Uh, so I'm currently in the middle of, slash, by the time this episode comes out, there will be. Um, I am trying my best to make you an online, um, and that's why we drink, escape room. <gasps> because we know how the first one went. I promised I would never make another escape room. But here I go lying to myself. And we're going to make it available for everyone else to also do. What? Um, so I know I'm panicking because I'm like, fuck, How I really cool. got to get this done. Um, but I'm in the middle of it and I'm really liking it. But I'm also disappointed with technology that I, I literally tried to like figure out how to like <laughs> code video games. It's been really wild. Oh um, my gosh. It's going to be a definitely a dumbed down version because guess what I learned? I can't code video games. So oh. <laughs> so it's like going to be like basically like a Google Drive situation, but we're going to give access uh, to everyone. So if you are listening to this and I have done my my work and my job, um, that you is will be so able to play. Exciting. So we'll have that link somewhere in on the cyber sphere. So I cannot believe that. How cool. So I, I hope you uh, I hope you like it. I'm sorry. I, I can't, can't just wait. present it to you. But the second that I'm finished with it, it will be sent to you. And I, I would like a review. Well, there's something coming your way too, but I'm not going to reveal anything because I feel like I'm going to give it away. But it is also digital. 
Okay. Oh, my God. Okay. Well, then this is the last gift because <laughs> there had to be – I can't do, just do one gift. So um, it was supposed to be a much better gift. And Eva knows about it because I f- called her of frantically about does. it. Right. Um, so don't ask me how, <laughs> but I got Farmer Bob's phone number. <gasps> and uh, – Stop. I'm – hyperventilating right now just are you serious yeah so we i i have spoken to farmer bob (laughs) and um Um. so here was what the original plan was right empathy i was going to call i was going to call farmer bob and record our conversation i was going to ask him if he had any ghost stories and for the 200th episode i was going to read the ghost stories of farmer bob to just do a full circle of 200 episodes. For anyone who knows, Christine and I became friends on a tractor ride in 2016, <laughs> and the tractor driver happened to be named Farmer Bob. And that was where we learned that we both like true crime and ghosts on said tractor. And that was, by the way, so ad- we all we all have a lot of wonderful skills. And amongst the And That's Why We Drink family, Christine is known as like the internet sleuth. If you give oh. Christine... <laughs> If you give Christine, like, someone's eye color, she will learn everything about that person. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? I'm going to pull a Christine. I'm going to figure it out. And all I had to go off of was his name is Farmer Bob. <laughs> but I figured it out, and I got his phone number. And Oh, my God. I'm so proud of you. I was a mess when I called him. I was – first of all, I got his phone number, and then because I got it so – close to us recording this and I like needed the recording like a crazy person I was calling him a bunch of times and he didn't know who I was I was just <gasps> calling this number M, frantically I'm, I my phone anxiety <laughs> is giving me like again hives hives but then uh and then I I was stupid I didn't leave a voicemail and what I know I will because I was panicking I was like how what how First, okay, Christine, you tell me what you would have said on that voicemail. I would have written it down and spent six hours <laughs> script like I do for every when I call my doctor, I write down what I'm going to say. Like, that's how b- bad my anxiety is. Well, Allison was like, Batman is never going to call you if he no. thinks you're like spam or something like you right. have to leave a voicemail. So I like after the 20th phone call, oh, God, I yeah. left a voicemail and I was frantic. I, I mean... I didn't know what I was doing. First of all, I'm pretty sure I called him Farmer Bob on the voicemail. <laughs> Wait, you mean his voicemail wasn't you've reached Farmer Bob? <laughs> and then it ended with a yeehaw. Uh, I think in the, I, I blacked it out, but I'm pretty sure in the voicemail I went, hi, um, you don't know me. This is very random. Oh, but in 2016, you were my tractor driver at a harvest festival. And I've been trying to find you for three and years. And I've been thinking about you every day. <laughs> my God. And then, I I tried to like explain I tried so hard but in like the length of what a voicemail allows oh god I was just like this makes no sense to you but I host a podcast and it's like gone really really well and it wouldn't have happened if my friend and I hadn't like really met on your tractor ride and and you've become this kind of lore in our lives and we've always wondered you know where farmer Bob was so we want to know all about you so I like got really panicky and uh when I hung up I looked at Allison I was like that man is never gonna fucking call (laughs) why why would he no sane man would I feel like if we were in the world of like landlines she would have unplugged the landline like five (laughs) seconds (laughs) and been like I'm sorry I had to cut you off (laughs) well then i i was like okay well that was a bust like i've just signed my death warrant on that relationship 
And then like uh, five minutes later, Farmer Bob calls me. No. And I was like, holy shit. Allison no. was right. That was the name of the game here. Because like the second I threw out a voicemail, he showed up. I can't so, believe you didn't. Okay. Anyway, go on. He answered and thank God he's probably also a little insane like us because he seemed very jovial. <gasps> uh, he seemed lovely. And uh, I did, I think he also, for as confused as a man would be with a phone call like that, he came <laughs> off as very kind. And like, I was trying so hard to like reiterate now that I had more time than a voicemail. I was trying to tell him uh, what had happened. And I was like, I know I already talked about this on the voicemail, but like you were our tractor driver. And I know this is really He's wild. Like, yeah, that much I've gathered. <laughs> And I was like, I don't think you realize it, but like you kind of have a fan base. Like I've I've gotten messages from people before saying like if it weren't Farmer Bob, like none of us would have this show. And so like <laughs> we if we just always wanted to find you and at least say thank you. And uh, so I thanked him probably too much, and he was very appreciative. Aww. And. Uh, and then I said, you know, we even the year after the show came out, we tried to go back to the festival and get a tractor ride from you. And he said, oh, well, I I only 2016. I was the last time I did it. And then I actually went back this year. So I'm going to start trying to do it again. And I said, 2021, Farmer Bob, I'm going to see you. And I, we want to shake your hand and We're say back. thank you and get a picture with you. And I did ask him if at any point if he would want to either – be on the show or be willing to like answer some questions for us um and he he did say if if you ever call again i'll definitely answer and he was very very (gasps) kind and uh he didn't have any spooky stories which i was disappointed by but also i i told that to allison and she was like well did you ask anything else like did he have any like true crime experiences or what's his favorite cryptid and i was like i just started talking to this man (laughs) i was like i literally like, what do you do when you pick up a phone and someone says, you were my tractor driver three years ago. I can't get you off of my mind. People love you and you don't know it. Who's your favorite cryptid? Also, also I'm not weird. How do you feel about the totsil worm? <laughs> anyway, uh, I am going to try to call him again sometime this week and hopefully get an email address from him because oh my God. I would M love to send so him. exciting. I'd like to send him a link to this podcast that he'll probably never listen to, but I want him to feel included, and um, if I do get his email address, hopefully we can do some sort of Farmer Bob present that includes everyone, like doing shout-outs for Farmer Bob or something. I know. I had to to bring it there. Well, Farmer Bob, if you're listening, I hope it's okay that we call you Farmer Bob, first of all, (laughs) because we invented that name, to be clear. Um, And second of all, thank you so much for giving us like a life-changing tractor ride. Christine, I... I'm going to end it on this note. The thing I told Allison and the thing I told Eva and the thing that made me lose so much sleep last night is I I remember on the phone call, I kept calling him Farmer Bob. And like, (laughs) and to a point where in my head, I remember thinking, you're saying Farmer Bob a lot. (laughs) And And he's probably like, that's really not my name. (laughs) And I was like, I got to wrap this up. And so I ended the phone call before I could say Farmer Bob a thousandth time. But um, he at least you know what he's he's a dude who ran with with the punches so he seemed receptive to it so he did so farmer bob we welcome you we embrace you and thank you for uh thank 200 you for episodes unknowingly part of our family or and that's why we drink family he's probably Aww. filling out a restraining order right now on us. yes correct you're gonna come home to police presence at your home exactly um, wow well thank you and that's that's just such a thoughtful and uh i mean as someone with phone anxiety that's like the boldest thing i've ever heard of it's a so. true gift from me I yeah think. it is i i could never do 
something like that. So I, I really do thank you. Um, so I guess we should announce what we're doing for our 200th episode. Huh? Oh my God. Welcome to a half an hour later. Uh, did you yeah, miss literally. this? Did you miss um, this? <laughs> this, this is, is going to, how- this is going to be just like our first episode where it's eight hours long. Um, <laughs> Our first episode was actually pretty short because we didn't know how to do research yet. So we had very <laughs> minimal stories. Um, but we uh, we decided uh, what we're going to do for our 200th is we're going to revisit episode one and redo our stories with current research methods, was, current exactly. abilities, current uh, internet access. We've had 200 times to practice researching. So this is, I do want to say before we get into it, I did bring with me my original notes <gasps> that were handwritten on they a were, legal pad. They were handwritten. And uh, just so we know, I usually have a lot more to say. Wow. Um, look at that. It is the most chicken scratch I've ever seen in my life. But if you can see it at all, I don't know what the I camera remember can pick you up left on this. It on the table. I can't see it, but I remember what it looks like. But the, you- the date says uh, February 4th. I wrote these. Wow, February 4th. Okay, so I remember that uh, you left those on my table and I said, what am I supposed to do with this? And you said, throw them away. And I went, I'm not throwing them away. And so I put them in my filing cabinet for like years I had them in my filing cabinet. Um, And then there were a couple more I had. I had like six sets of your notes because you would handwrite them all. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't bring myself to throw them away. So I was like, there's no other copy. Well, if it weren't for you, um, this wouldn't be possible so so, i I don't have my first notes but that's probably for the best well you Uh, know what else you did keep which i found with this because this was all at the apartment so i just ran over and grabbed it this morning but um so our original notes and uh without showing your old um address this is our receipt to our first audio equipment yes i kept that too (laughs) (laughs) i forgot about that when we uh spent literally every single dollar we had combined because i was like equipment. i might need to call my parents and be like i did this thing and i have zero dollars i need help so that's why i saved that receipt uh this is where we show the picture of my screenshot for my venmo to you so yes. um, oh good idea and remember episode one this show was actually called eerie in theory for a hot second it was called eerie in theory also uh we it's so funny we called it and that's why we drink and it was about uh how we disappointed our parents that week which still that hasn't changed um so i don't know who has listened to episode one recently or if ever if you're listening backwards and you're very confused um but I I listened to it. Um, First of all, my notes are that it was terrible audio, which I remember being so upset about at the time. But I was like, well, we're not redoing it. So it was terrible audio for for a first podcast episode. It was better bad audio than some other podcasts. Yeah, that's true. I was like tweaking it too much. And then it got out of control. Um, also, I misgendered you, so that's fun. So if you you didn't back, know, for the record, let's right. let's say it wasn't like I had. Yeah, it I wasn't intentional, obviously. But before yeah, so anyone that, writes in and tries to get protective, I appreciate you. But Christine had no fucking clue. It. I was like, do you want to be called Emily? And you were like, um, no. And I was <laughs> that like, I, oh, dear. that much I knew. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that yeah, that part was clear. Uh, <laughs> so I apologize for that. That was cringy. Um, I just was so ner- I was using my like really nervous stage voice. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm listening to this. Like, I'm taking this so seriously. And I was so nervous. And we were just like, I don't know. It was just so fun to listen to our first ever episode. We were, uh, 
we were trying our best, which I appreciate. And like, yes. for someone who had 1000% performance anxiety, or both of us, yes. we did a pretty good job, apparently. <laughs> we were so scared. I remember like shaking. I was like, and we were just in my living room. It's not like we were doing this in <laughs> front of anybody, but I was so scared. And that's why We Drink is sponsored by Squarespace. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. With Squarespace, it's easy to create a beautiful website all on your terms. You don't want to miss Fluid Engine, a next-generation website design system from Squarespace with reimagined drag-and-drop technology for desktop or mobile. I don't know this for a fact, but it's my opinion that there is no easier way to build a website than Squarespace because of this drag-and-drop technology. It gets better every year, and it is just, you when you think it can't get any better and easier, it does. I've been using Squarespace <laughs> since 2017, um, and in that time, they have just proven themselves to be the best and easiest way to make a website. So anytime I make a website for any reason, that's where I go. When you're ready to get started, you can use one of Squarespace's professional website templates with designs for every category, and then you can customize it. You can customize the look, add new content, add features to fit your unique needs. It's just a great spot to have a landing page for you, for your business, for whatever it is you're trying to market or showcase. Squarespace is the best platform to use, in my opinion. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com slash drink to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? You can grow lemon, avocado, olive, or fig trees inside your home on top of the wide variety of houseplants available. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. I am so thrilled that we are working with Fast Growing Trees. I spent about an hour and a half on the website trying to decide what I would love to order from their products. They have so many options and you can actually filter it by zones, by growing zones to make sure you know it'll work in your garden. Um, they have everything from massive privacy shrubs and trees to very, very specific flowers. I actually ended up ordering a lilac shrub for my garden. I recently discovered how much I love the smell of lilac and so I I thought, you know what? Perfect chance. Why don't I get some lilac growing in my yard? I think it's going to smell beautiful. And I also got my mom a little lavender plant as an Easter present. Right now, they have some of the best deals online, like up to half off on select plants. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code DRINK at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com using the code DRINK at checkout. Fastgrowingtrees.com code DRINK. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. Let, let's read the uh, the original uh, little prompt uh, our, in our show notes for episode one. It was called Francis Ford Cupola. 200 episodes later, I still don't know how to say it. I think it's Francis Ford Cupola. Okay. And the off-brand Kool-Aid. And it was released February 9th, 2017. And here is the prompt. I wrote it in my handy-dandy phone book. Okay. Uh, get your wine and milkshakes ready. Good writing, Christine. Thank you. <laughs> it's, it's time for the first episode of And That's Why We Drink. M tells Christine all about one of the most haunted places in America, the Winchester Mystery House. Christine tells M about the most famous mass suicide in history. Yay! Though the flavor of the Kool-Aid is still up for debate. Thanks so much for joining us. If you like this episode, please take a moment to write and subscribe. Hashtag And That's Why We Drink. Love putting hashtags in our show notes. That's sensible. <laughs> <laughs> Um, um, well, uh, I also thought so found something very interesting, which was that we immediately came up with a celebrity nickname, Creme, mm -hmm. which, uh, by the way, 
later we were to birth a child named Kremit. Is that not the so weirdest thing in the world? It is weird, Kremit. And uh, I was like, wow, we didn't even think. And you said like crime, which I thought was funny. But we didn't even think of like creme de la creme. Like there were so many things we could have done with that. <laughs> like Kremit. Krem we should have thought of Kremit. Kremit is way better. Yeah. So uh, I was just very impressed. And you brought up lemons in the first episode. I was going to say. I which manifested. a lot of people still say. Yeah. Yeah. That was you said my... making lemonade out of lemons or something. It was lemons my. Lemons out of lemonade. It was my own um, future self kicking myself. All the- it was it, some, somehow there was something uh, celestial about that. I, I think, think it was me coming back and just whispering in your ear, like, <laughs> "Talk about lemons." <laughs> You'll understand later. Um, but yeah, and then uh, really quick, just to give people, um, uh, I just wanted to tell people what was also happening in the world, real quick. Okay. Uh, TikTok uh, had only been released five months ago, and it wasn't worldwide yet, so you probably hadn't heard of it. I can't believe TikTok existed back then. Me either. I feel like I just discovered Twitter back then. Yeah. Also, uh, LA saw the Women's March after Trump's inauguration, and it was... Yeah, I was... Yeah, I remember that day. (laughs) It it was the largest single-day protest in uh, U.S. history at the time. Does anyone understand now the context of our podcast? Like, this is what my depression... This is where I was in the lowest part of my life, and Em was like, do you want to start a podcast? And I was like, no. And then Blaze said, you need a hobby, because I was just moping around. Because two weeks before our podcast, Trump became president for the first time. (laughs) Yeah, and I was like, I'm not ever leaving my bed again. And that's why we fucking drank. <laughs> uh, and then also, we are older. Our show is older than the Nintendo Switch. And we're only four years younger than Zach Bagel Bites's Haunted Museum. That's wild. It's like it's like the, the, the ghosts had something in store for all of us. They, wow. were, they were also manifesting. Anyway, uh, yes. So I just wanted to pl- put everybody back to a, a time before 2020, if you don't I was going to say a simpler time, but I'm like, it wasn't, though. Like, if you think about it, it really wasn't. It, was, <laughs> it wasn't much simpler. It was less complex but it was still slightly a fucking nightmare it was like it was still on fire it wasn't a totally a dumpster fire it was like the match had been lit in the dumpster and we didn't know yeah. what was happening yet and we were kind of closing our eyes and pretending we didn't see it but here it is um so my favorite um part of episode one was why we were drinking that week <laughs> um <laughs> yours was because you had an improv show and it was scaring you that you were gonna have to be on stage which is now Terrified. comical yeah, right. <laughs> and I think, uh, I don't know if you mentioned it in the show anymore, or maybe you said it at the time after we recorded, but that was the first time I ever heard of propranolol. And I went... Oh, yeah. I was. You were like, how do you do it? And I was like, this is the only way I can function. I, you, again, that was just like so foreshadowing. And then <laughs> I, uh, I was drinking because I lost my credit card and my mom was uh, currently helping me survive until I was able to get money back uh, in my name. And I remember being like, I remember thinking, it doesn't even matter that I don't have my credit card because I just spent every last dollar I have on this fucking recording equipment. So, Oh, right. We don't have money anyway. Right. Um, but also, I love that you were, weren't you moving? You were moving. I was moving in and with RJ for the first know. time, I think. I was moving you, in with RJ. Oh, that's right. And you had a roommate who... I lived in Glendale and I yes. I was renting a room out of a townhouse and he was never around. So it was like a pretty swanky deal for me because I lived in arguably a very, very fancy space and on a very um, desirable location. And he was never home. So I just had like a two bedroom townhouse to myself. That's but nice. also it was super expensive and I had no money, as I just said. So um RJ was like, I have a really, really cheap room for you. And I went, great. You're my new roommate for the rest of my life. Aww. 
So yeah, that's why I was drinking. That's so cool, guys. <sighs> anyway, should we get into it? Yeah, I'm excited. I'm, I'm going to pour my, my, oh, I'm going to pour my box wine. Oh, excellent. Ugh. I love watching you struggle. <laughs> I like that just like in episode one, you can just hear it uh, in the background like a <laughs> ASMR. ASMR. <laughs> also, I, I wore an And That's Why We Drink sweatshirt and I'm drinking out of And That's Why We Drink glasses like an homage to something we never thought would happen that we had our own merch. I'm wearing a Boston sweatshirt for us and Aww. the my ISS hat because that's where I was working when we started. I wow. surprisingly don't have any BU merch. I had like one shirt and that's it. So anyway. I have one of your shirts. <laughs> that's the shirt I had and then you took it. So <laughs> anyway, that's kind of romantic on its own. So uh, here is uh, my story, uh, The Winchester Mystery House 2.0. Um, so as you remember from episode one, uh, or maybe you don't, I don't know. I remembered it, but I think the reason I picked this story originally was because it starts in Boston and ends in California. Right. Just like you and me. So, um, so the year is 1862, a much simpler time. And, uh. (laughs) It's in. It's actually starting in New Haven, Connecticut first, so hang in there. Um, there was a guy named William Wirt Westchester, three Ws, and he married Sarah Lockwood Party, and uh, they soon started building their home. Um, Sarah Lockwood Party becomes Sarah Winchester, the main character of this story, and uh, William was the son of Oliver Westchester, who uh, manufactured the... Uh, he was part of the manufacturing for Winchester Rifle Company. Right. Um, and uh, so Sarah married into this family. And I guess Oliver Westchester, um, he was really important for the company because he reorganized it. And he also helped manufacture this very specific rifle that was like the first ever repeating rifle, which I'm not sure what that means because I am not really a gun fan. But um, <laughs> Oh, you're not? Apparently, all after of the- all this time, we're still learning <laughs> things about each other. <laughs> Apparently, all of the soldiers from the Civil War really dug it. So, um, okay, <laughs> it became like the gun to have, or the rifle to have, and uh, so they ended up making this huge fortune, and like the company like just exploded. Be- not literally because of the guns or anything, but like it, <laughs> like financially, it was doing very well. Um, okay. <laughs> because it was like right, right after, uh, or during the civil war and right after the civil war was when it really got big. So, um, so Sarah, before she married, she was a socialite and she was known as the bell of new Haven. Um, this is a quote about her by the age of 12. Sarah was already fluent in Latin, French, Spanish, and Italian. Okay. You're not special. Me too. Um, <laughs> same furthermore, her knowledge of the classics, notably Homer and Shakespeare, um, along with a remarkable talent as a musician for playing three instruments, was well noticed. Jesus. Okay. So, like, in, by the time she was in seventh grade, she, like, w- ran the world. She um, would have been a TikTok star for sure. Oh, my God. Yes. She would have gone viral. Like, she um, would have been on Ellen. Let's put it that way. She would have been on Ellen. She, she yeah, she would have done, like, the little press circuit. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. Speaking all of her languages. Uh, for sure, for sure. In 1866, uh, Sarah and... Uh, William had a daughter named Anne. Um, only five and a half weeks later, though, she died from a disease called, I think I think it's pronounced Merasmus. Um, oh, no. And it's basically like, I guess her body had this issue where it couldn't metabolize protein. And so she ends up just being like 
wildly malnourished. Um, oh, no. So she passed away, and then they never had kids after that. But That's so sad. Obviously, after five and a half weeks, and then your your baby passes, um, she went into, like, a wild depression. Um, and then in 1881, both William and Oliver, um, they – or I think it was William – Oliver and her own father um, all died, like all back to back. Oh, yikes. Um, (laughs) And so, or at least like within a few months of each other. um, I know William died of tuberculosis and then the father died from uh, unknown. Fun fact. From unknown. From unknown. Um, So tuberculosis slash consumption and unknown. And uh, so when William and Oliver both die, they like, left everything to Sarah in the will. And so uh, she basically inherited all 300 of their shares in stock. And she ended up accumulating or uh, being in, she ended up inheriting almost 50% of the company. Um, And this was in 1881 and income tax didn't become a thing until 1913. So so none of that money was taxable. Um, so she basically was handed $20 million, which in today's world is $540 million. Casual. Actually, real fun fact, when I first did this episode, the number was like 510, but since. Yeah, I remember it was lower. Yeah. So now it's five, 540 million. Also, like imagine first of all, getting $500 million or $540 million. But I'll try. And then find out, like, oh, that's not all. She Because she also, uh, with this will, she earned a daily income of $1,000 a day from the company. <laughs> which, in today's world, was is over $25,000. I don't so, even know what that means. Like, I can't comprehend that with my brain. Imagine being told, oh, you're, you're going to get twenty five grand every single day for the rest of your life until you die. Also, let's just add an extra 540 mil. What Just as a backup plan. Just in case, in case you blow through it. So <laughs> it's like tough life. Mm. <laughs> um, so she was really struggling, obviously, financially. Um, she just couldn't spend the money fast enough. <laughs> so, <laughs> what a problem to have. What a problem. But so even despite all this money, she's still in this wild depression. Everyone that she loves is, has died around her. And she's starting to think that this isn't just a coincidence. So keep in mind that this was right after the Civil War, a.k.a. the first rise in spiritualism. Because right, everyone's right, right. husbands, brothers, sons, friends all died in the war. And so now all of these women back home and children back home are really getting into the idea of the afterlife. And then sure. after uh, one of the world wars, I think World War One, Yeah, after, I forget which one. After the World War, there's a resurgence later in spiritualism. Um, I see. Which was, uh, I think, like the Houdini era. So, uh, so she thinks like maybe it's not a coincidence that everyone died around me. And so she goes to Boston, um, because apparently over there is like this, like very well-known medium. His name is Adam Coons and he is known at least in Boston as the Boston medium. And I remember that. I remember (laughs) commenting how original that name was. I still stand by that comment. Well, and I I remember saying in the first episode, I was like, maybe in the 1880s, like he was the only medium (laughs) in Boston. So like you just got that title. Yeah. So it can make sense. I don't know. Otherwise, I mean, like today I'm the I don't know. What am I? I'm the L.A. You're the Burbank Uh, fish flopper. 
Look, I couldn't I couldn't come in today without representing. So I mean, you could have, but mm-hmm. like you didn't. Finn, so. and, Finn and Gil are my uh, my support system today. Moral <laughs> support. So, uh, yeah. So she goes to arguably the only medium around, <laughs> and uh, basically the Boston medium says, uh, "You're right. This is not a coincidence. Your family's cursed, and you are being haunted by the spirits of all the people who have died by Winchester rifles." Oh, dear. Including every single Civil War soldier because it was the most popular gun. So, like, everyone in the war, in like, if you stretch so, it, like, all everyone the violence, died. All the violence of the war is your fault. <laughs> every person who died in the Civil War is your fault. Also, Great. any indigenous people, anyone who just happens to own one of your rifles and killed someone. Um, so, oh, my God. It's all bad. So, uh, this medium says to appease the spirits and for them to uh forgive you or to at least leave you alone you need to move west and you need to build a house for them in honor of them um but construction must never stop and if it does stop ever you will die next (laughs) which is a specific demand it's such a ridiculous i'm sorry and i remember we talked about it and i was like wait what because like i mean now i know the story more but like, it's just so absurd because you'd think, like, what does he get out of that? Like, because it's like, did his whole family also die by a Winchester right. rifle like, and he just wants to throw you on this goose chase? Or But what you'd think is that, like, what he would get out of it is, like, keep coming back to see me and I'll tell you all the ways that you can, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. he could make money off it. But no, instead, he's like, drive across the country and build a house and I'll never see you again. It's just so <laughs> odd to me. I think I'm like, he was just like... I don't have for have to see that woman again, and I'll know for the rest of her day she's gonna suffer. <laughs> like, okay, maybe, that's fair. Maybe yeah. that's what he was going with. That's satisfaction enough, or maybe he's really good at his job, and the ghosts are maybe way that's demanding. real, right? Maybe that's like <laughs> literally what they wanted. I guess. Um. So, uh, some people doubt that this is the reason why. Uh, some people think that this is just lore and not a real. Um, uh, like reason why she built this house or why it was always under construction. They think that her saying, oh, because I feel bad for all of the victims by my rifle, they think that's kind of a, a bunch of fooey because um, some historians are like, if she felt that bad profiting off of their deaths, then why did she never like pull out on any of her investments or any of her stocks? So well. like, sh- I get it's like, I get it. That's a fair well. argument. But then a lot of people also say that, uh, that's also not true. So I, there's kind of a who's to say what's what. But a lot of people try to dismiss this rumor. Okay. Um, but anyway, regardless, she moved to San Jose. And she said that she moved there specifically because her sister was moving out there. But a lot of, um, even though that's what is on official documents, people are like, she didn't really like her sister. So <laughs> I think that might have just been her way of covering up that she was moving west at all. Like, oh, I have, I should move to a place where I know people to cover up why I'm really going Yeah, west. like, don't worry about it. I promise there's a normal reason for this Ex- behavior. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so there's a quote actually about her sister, Isabel. Um, it says, Isabel was her polar opposite, outspoken and spunky when she was 74. She beat up a man on a trolley after a political dispute. I love that lady. Sounds like Sarah went one way and this girl went the other. It sounds like (laughs) Sarah was like the posh, uh, educated uh, socialite who like attended all the events. And this girl's just hanging out on the trolley beating people up. 
which I wow. kind of want to hang out with her more. Yeah, I like both of them. <laughs> um, so in 1884, Sarah bought a farmhouse, which ends up becoming the Winchester Mystery House. But at the time, it was a, a simple eight-bedroom house, you know. Oh, sure, 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 sure. And started construction immediately. Um, and this was in 1884. I was curious what else was out there in 1884, just to bring you back to the simpler time so it's easier to, to swallow. Please. Um, So here are some other things that happened in 1884. The Washington Monument had been finished. Uh, Evaporated milk and Kellogg's cereal had been patented. (laughs) TikTok was invented. (laughs) (laughs) It was in beta, though. So, like, no one saw (laughs) it. Right, 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 right. Um, But it is fun to think, like, oh, she could have been eating some cornflakes in this How weird is that? Yeah. Uh, The hip new thing. The hip new thing. Also, the 40-hour work week was instated, which, like, don't get me fucking started. Oh, God. What a horrible invention. (laughs) And uh, she was like, not for me, bitch. Like, (laughs) no. (laughs) But for all the employees who are going to be building my stairs, I guess. (laughs) She was like, that sounds terrible. (laughs) Um, And then my favorite part, because it's uh, kind of a little connection to us, is that in 1884 was the first ever long-distance call, and it was from Boston. Oh and my gosh. it went to New York, so it wasn't too How far. Fun. But, um, but yeah, and then also uh, another f- not fun fact: um, since the deaths, uh, when Sa- ever since Sarah moved into this house, and then until the end of her days, she was always in a black dress. So a lot of people said she was just like constantly in mourning. Um, oh, okay. So a lot of the people who say that they see a ghost, she's in a black dress. Mm. Um, so after buying the house, she originally had an architect and then she fired him immediately and started designing the house by herself. And uh, I think one, she was bored and it was like, I have all the money in the world to do whatever I want. But also a lot of people say that um, because her dad was in construction, she probably knew a little something and felt like ah. the architect was holding her back from a really like weird looking house. Yeah. He was probably like, I don't know why you want to build these stairs. And she's like, it doesn't matter why. <laughs> Just they do go it. nowhere. Just do it. Here's a million dollars. Do it. <laughs> um, in 1888, so only four years into her having the house, Sarah's niece, who apparently was Nick named daisy um her real name was marion marriott which like okay <laughs> like you're bragging and you sure sure sure, calm, sure sure calm down um so her niece moved in and ended up staying with her for 15 years and became her assistant in the house so oh. probably helps her with a lot of the construction plans yeah um and some historians say that uh even though people say like or even though the, the medium said construction can never stop, you have to keep building, keep building, keep building. Apparently, historians also like to try to dispute this and say she was known for regularly dismissing her workers for months at a time. But then other historians have come back and been like, yeah, she was rotating the workers. Like, not, oh. like nobody was staying on all the time. Sure, like, that makes sense. Can't work 24-7. Right. You can work 40 hours, though. Um, <laughs> but uh, so, yeah, a lot of people get um, weird about that statement, too. But I like to uh, fly under the belief that it was she was just uh building the house nonstop. Yeah. Um so paranoid about the spirits finding her in the house, she decided to build essentially whatever the fuck she wanted. Mm. And she started building some of the most bizarre things in the whole wide world in hopes that the house would be so complex that she would trick the ghosts into never finding her. Yeah. Um, the house okay. originally was eight bedrooms and it was on six acres. But by the time construction ended, when she passed away, the house itself was six acres. Oh, my God. 
Um, it had uh, seven floors. It had, f- at depending on the time, it had five to six hundred rooms that were built Holy at different crap. times. Holy uh, It had 20,000 gallons of paint. <gasps> it had 10,000 windows, 2,000 doors, 52 skylights, 47 fireplaces, 40 bedrooms, 40 staircases, 13 bathrooms, six kitchens, three elevators, two basements, only two mirrors, and one <laughs> and one shower. You'd think like with all that, the two mirror, like there'd be more mirrors to confuse everything, you know, like I just feel right. like that adds you- to the whole funhouse effect. She'd clearly never been to a mirror maze because she would have gotten <laughs> real fucking clearly. weird with that. She'd been like, I want this whole room to just be a complete mess. I think that's a great idea. So the two mirrors, apparently she thought that ghosts were, um, actually you're right, because apparently she thought ghosts were afraid of their reflection. So then you'd think uh-huh. the whole place would be mirrors. Yes, I think that would make a whole lot of sense. I mean, hmm. as far as sense goes in the story, I think it would make a Maybe whole lot of sense. Maybe she just couldn't look at herself. She was like, what are you doing? <laughs> She's <laughs> like, well, I only have one shower, so it's hard for me to really <laughs> take myself seriously. My favorite fun fact about the shower is that, it, I mean, everything was obviously custom made in this house, but the shower was made for her, so it would hit her exactly from the neck down, so she wouldn't, like, get water in her face, and it would she had one of those like really swanky showers that are still swanky where like the water shooting from different angles yeah but it all hit her exactly neck down whoa that's fancy but imagine being a guest in her house because she was 410 so oh. <laughs> like hits your okay. your belly button down so you're like sh- crouching in there <laughs> i'm yeah. sitting on the floor actually <laughs> um so anyway there uh I know I said there were 13 bathrooms, um, but I'm also going to take this moment to us to have us really appreciate the number 13. Right. Because Sarah was obsessed with the number 13. Mm. Um, if she wasn't, then this is a really weird coincidence, at least, right. because a lot of the house's features had to do with the number 13. Um, the entrance. Which isn't like a normal feature in a house. Like things are no. usually even numbers. Like. I think staircases are usually 13 steps or something like that, but that's the only one I can think of. Right, like lamps and things aren't usually odd numbers. One of them, like chandeliers usually come as a dozen, or at least at that Mm -hmm. time they came as a dozen. She had to have um, like welders come in and install a third light bulb for her chandelier. So like, so then she she must have been doing this on purpose, right? Right. I just like convinced myself I'm a lawyer. Wow. Um, uh, well, okay, but I will say from the first episode, I remember being like, "How could they say otherwise?" And then you mentioned like some people think that once she died, people went, her family or whoever went in there and added a bunch of stuff to make it seem weird, make it more attractiony. Like I, mean, I remember you mentioned that. Yeah, which it, seems ridiculously uh, excessive. It does, but mind. then I think like if you died, I would for sure make a spectacle of it if I could find a way to. I would make <laughs> you, you look would, like the craziest person. I, I mean, like you know how they say like a true friend will like when they find out you're dead, the first thing they'll do is like erase your browser Clear history. Your browser, yeah. I will erase yours and only put the weirdest shit. Yeah, like, you will add to mine. I'll you make will, it like, worse. Like you'll wish people saw your real one. You'll make mine public and then add right. <laughs> 
I'll be my Instagram post. You'll be like, oh, we'll always miss her mind. And it'll just be a picture <laughs> of your browser. Just history. like a screen recording of scrolling through all my shit. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Em. Um, so you're welcome in advance. Uh, ho- <laughs> hopefully I go first so we don't have to do that. Although yeah, seriously, if I go first, I give you permission. And honestly, my ghost would find it hysterical if you made a post like that on Instagram. So I think I would have a great time. Just saying. Uh, okay. So anyway, yes. Yeah, so the number 13. Um, so he, there were a lot of features in this house that had to do with the number 13. And here are just some of them. The entrance hall was divided into 13 sections. All of the stairs had 13 steps, which I think is uh, normal. actually normal. I got to go count my stairs. I have no clue. Maybe not. Maybe not at the time. I just know like in uh, the only reason I know that is my stepmom used to work in construction. That was like the only fun oh, fact I ever retained. That is a fun fact. Um, uh, let me see. Oh, the stairs had 13 steps. Windows had 13 window panes. Um, there were 13 walls per room. Uh in the 13th bathroom, there were 13 windows that each had 13 pan, uh, panes to it, and they each had 13 candles. Uh, also, every banister had 13 railings. The elevators had 13 panels. The greenhouse had 13 glass cupolas. It had, uh, there were 13 holes in all of her drains. She had them custom drilled out. Oh, God. Uh, she had 13 tiles on each ceiling. She had 13 bulbs on each chandelier. Um, and the seance room, which is a thing, uh, she had 13 <laughs> hooks for the 13 robes that she would wear for every 13 seances that she had with the ghosts. And when she died, this is the weirdest part. When she died, she had 13 sections to her will and she signed it 13 times. This is just, I mean, you can't say that this is a coincidence, you know? It's like- yeah. And if she really signed it 13 times, then that makes me think her family didn't go out and uh yeah change everything up because like she was already onto something but also to add new window panes to everyone like that's no who so why? i have seen the house and i think this is a collection of um over time because there are some rooms that are just normal like four walled rooms and things like that but i think throughout construction these were requests that had to do with 13 and then maybe they got demolished and rebuilt into something else but sure that was at least a list of the times where she made things specifically 13 i see um so we don't really know why but there is really there's one really interesting theory which i like to think was exactly why she did this but it's who knows at all? It's just the theory I like to latch on to. Um, so in some cultures, 13 uh, means femininity. And uh, it corresponds, they, they think it means femininity because it corresponds to how many lunar cycles, aka menstrual mm. cycles. Lunacy, right? All mm-hmm. the lunatic women, yeah. Well, she was uh, doing a little lunacy in this house. <laughs> the house itself was... Listen, l- I get it, lady. A little lunar. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> Oh, like a loony. Wait a minute. Oh, lunatic. I already knew that. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's like, where are we going with this? Never mind. I already knew that information. Um, <laughs> but uh, so, so they thought that it uh, meant femininity because it had to do with you have 13 cycles a year because 28 tw- every 28 days. Oh. Yeah. Every 28 times 13 is like, I think exactly 365 or just what? off. So um they think that it means femininity and as the solar cycle, aka masculinity, as mm. it slowly takes over the lunar cycle each year, femininity becomes weaker, aka 13 becomes an unlucky number. If oh. that makes sense. 
So like as the as the year goes on in the solar cycle, I don't know enough about cycles, but apparently at some point the solar cycle equals masculinity, the lunar cycle equals femininity, and masculinity starts taking over the lunar cycle. I had no idea about any of this. So it's just like a fuck the patriarchy moment. And I like to think that she's just like claiming her yes. femininity throughout this house. Embracing it, the unluckiness. Yeah. yeah, she's like, I'll show you, men. Here's all my femininity all over the walls. <laughs> and she's like in 13 different robes. And they're like, okay. Like, I guess we you can get have it. it. You are uh, quite a lady. We got it. <laughs> um, so anyway, back to this wild house. The room, uh, the front room of the house has two doors side by side. Um, but one of them is shorter. And they think it's because she was 4'10". But that also makes like no sense. Like... Why would she make the bigger door then? Yeah, that's weird. Unless she just has really tall friends over. <laughs> She's um, like, you can't use my door. You have to use this door. It's like, I'm thinking of you. Here's another door that you can go through. <laughs> um, there was a, let's see, there was also a hidden room, which the only thing in there was an old Victorian couch and an antique doll. Yeah, I hate that part. Love that part. I hate it. Um, and here, I'm going to just say some of the, wild things that I have also personally seen in this house. Um, and this is more or less verbatim from the first episode, but it's, it still reigns true. So here are just some of the um, bizarre things in this house. There are trap doors and false passageways. There are stairs that lead to the ceiling. There are stairs that lead to uh, walls, just random walls. There are doors that open into walls. There's windows in the middle of the room, just like standalone sills, that you can like walk around 360 so there's no reason for it to be there um oh man where was i oh windows that would look out into absolutely nothing or would they would even like look out into like (laughs) another part of the construction like um like you would look out the window and there would be like a chimney right in front of you so like you couldn't (laughs) actually see outside (laughs) okay um there would be uh, windows in front of the elevator shaft. So there's one window that's basically like a picture frame in the, wa- in the wall. And it's just like a clear, instead of wall, it's clear. And you can see like the backside of an oh, elevator. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I thought that was actually kind of dope. Just like, neat. Um, there's one of my favorites is a skylight in the floor. There are skylights between different floors. Some of the posts um, in this uh, house are upside down. Uh, and some of them just jut out in the middle of the floor for no reason at all. There's just like random posts that will stick out sideways from a wall. This seems like such a tripping hazard. I would injure myself <laughs> every day if I lived here. It was absolutely a fire hazard, this place. <laughs> um, let's see. There were also um, chimneys that were so tall that they would go through four floors. Um, and there were also chimneys that were so short that you could see between the chimney and the ceiling. Like it never got completed. Oh. So it was like basically rendered useless yeah and there was i think there was one chimney that goes like up through a bunch of floors and then when you get to the top floor to see the chimney continue it like doesn't actually hit a ceiling so it's like <laughs> it's just this ruse that's and, like, like it- the ultimate fire hazard like a literal <laughs> fire hazard <laughs> someone on like floor one is going to be like why is the smoke coming into this room <laughs> thank god um there's also a room that has, this is actually the seance room. It has one entrance, but three exits. So oh. you can walk in through one door, but two of the doors that you can leave out of don't have handles on the other side. So if you walk <gasps> into the next space and then close the door behind you, there's no reopening it to get back in. Whoa. And one of those rooms brings you into the closet of another room. So it's almost <gasps> like cool. a Narnia situation. Yeah. That's Talk creepy. about a magic trick, though. 
you could just like show up in a closet. That's pretty cool for a seance room, especially. You could do all sorts of fun tricks. That's actually pretty genius. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And then my personal favorites. Oh, also there are there's a cabinet door that opens to a hive of 30 other rooms. So like, oh, you just open a cabinet and then you're like in a whole other world. <gasps> and my personal favorites, um, some I just mentioned, but I just want to shout them out again. The door to nowhere um, where it's like on the second or third floor and you open it and they don't let people do this because you would die but like if you opened it it literally leads to it's the side of the house that you're opening up and you would just fall out (laughs) that's so dangerous there's also staircases to nowhere there's a staircase that goes up to the ceiling which i mentioned but i remember when i did the tour myself you can climb up the stairs and like you slowly have to hunch until like your the ceiling is on you um so uh there are also cupboards i remember taking pictures of this because i was just so fucking floored there are cupboards that make no sense there's like just one tall cupboard in the middle of the room like it's not attached it's not like cabinets it's just basically a box with a door that you can open but it's a cupboard that only is half an inch deep so like you can't put anything in there it's just basically a solid block in your way and she just had all this built like she just like could anything that she thought of she just she's like maybe the ghost will think i'm hiding in this cabinet like what and then there's a wall yeah (laughs) get it there was also another cupboard that opened into the other side of the house so like almost like broke through the wall and so if you opened if you opened the cabinet from one side you would then look into like the other half of the house um so basically what I'm saying is like, I want to get married in this place. It I just, was to say, like, this sounds like something we would want to build as our future Talk about or... an event space. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, so poster upside down, the chimneys were installed, but like weren't functional. Um, there were switchback chairs, which were, uh, so if you ever look it up, it looks really like these really windy, narrow stairs. So you have to do like a bunch of essentially U-turns to like get up these oh. stairs. So there's like seven basically U-turns on this staircase. It's a hundred feet long, but it only me out. it only brings you up nine feet to the second oh floor. Oh my god, no, that's awful. So it's just this really long snaking staircase for no reason, just to get you like n- basically nowhere. Oh no. Um, and that it's because there were like forty plus steps on this thing, and they were two inches low, two inches oh, tall. No, 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 no. So it was basically like you were doing an incline the whole time. But these were not the original steps. Those steps were replaced with these two inch ones called Easy Riders, which Sarah Winchester started putting throughout the entire house as she got older because she had really bad <gasps> arthritis, and so oh. it was making it was a bunch of very tiny steps versus a short amount of tall steps got it that way she could um still walk around the house she's like i still want to wind through 100 feet of this <laughs> but i just want easier steps i'll take my afternoon uh on a stroll <laughs> up the stairs <laughs> um and then there was um also a, the sprinkler system in this house ran seven miles throughout the house <gasps> it was that windy whoa um she had a garden room with hoses and faucets in the cabinet so you didn't see them when they weren't being used and the wooden floors in the greenhouse or in this garden were made of pallets so you could lift them up and you could spray all of the flowers <gasps> and then the water would drip out onto just cement and the That's floor so smart and the floor was slanted so all of the water would drain <gasps> off and you could just put the wood pallets back down that's it's, so smart. She was like, I mean, for a 
crazy she's person. She's a genius. She was, she's also a genius. Yeah. I love this woman. She also did that for all of her um, for all of her countertops for like the kitchen and stuff. She made them slightly slanted so with like divots in them so water would drip out into the sink instead of like That's so smart. Like sit on the counter. Um, there was also <laughs> the Halls of Fire. Oh, well, okay. I t- I t- let me take back what I just said and hold on to it for a minute until I hear what you're about to say. It actually is also genius. So okay. it's actually, this hall is actually a series of little rooms, but they're all right next to each other and they're very small. And it's called the Hall of Fires because it has seven sources of heat. It had four fireplaces and three vents. And so the room would get really, really hot and she would go into this room when she had arthritis and she would just sit there Aww. and all of her joints would loosen That's up. nice. That's yeah, comforting. It actually isn't a bad idea. I love that she's like, this is my nice cozy room. I'm going to call it the Hall of Fire. <laughs> this is where I feel my my most sane. <laughs> That's like how I built this nice little or decorated the studio and just put skulls all over the wall. I'm like, this is my happy place. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. We're no different. <laughs> no, we're not. <laughs> uh, so the sinks and everything was obviously super expensive. Everything was imported and hand painted from like Italy and uh, Vienna and uh, Japan and all that. She actually had one room called the $25,000 room because when she died, that room alone was valued at 25 (gasps) grand, which in today's world is almost 400 grand. Whoa, whoa. Um, There was also the South Conservatory, which is uh, next to, uh, well, I don't want to confuse anyone. There was the South Conservatory and it's the space with the most windows. I think this is the coolest room when I go. Um, it's just like everything. It's like 150 plus panes of glass. One of them happens to be in the floor and it's the famous like skylight in the floor. Oh. Um, so you can actually like look down into other floors. Cool. Um, and, uh, also near this, uh, place with the most windows in the house was the most expensive window. It, it's called the most expensive window, um, which like says something if everything else in this yeah. house is so wildly expensive. <laughs> Um, it was made of all these really tiny, tiny crystals. So they acted like prisms when the sun hit it and the <gasps> whole room would become rainbows. Cool. But she fucked up, uh, structurally twice because she put this window on the north side of the house where the sun never sh- shined. Oh my shone. gosh. Well, that seems like a pretty basic fuck up. Well, here's the next one that's even more basic. She then, where the sun would have come in from, she added a whole wing of rooms. So, like, no oh, sun gosh. is ever coming through this thing. That's depressing. Okay. So, no rainbows for you, I guess. It feels homophobic. Um, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, so, then the, the, the ballroom alone cost $9,000, which was three times the amount of an, the average house back then. Oh, God. But what's really cool about it is the entire place is, I mean so wildly intricate and like completely made of wood but barely any nails were used in the construction all of it is wood and glue because apparently it's better for the acoustics because that's where she would play her organ and her instruments wow that's weird also what's weird that people the last time i went on the tour they were like we don't know what this fucking means but we like to point it out there's stained glass windows in the ballroom with an inscription on it and it says wide unclasp the tables of their thoughts these same thoughts people this little world. What? She was an alien. I don't know. Hold on. She was a black eyed child. Goose cam. Yeah, that is like, can I have ketchup with my apple? Also, yeah. whatever you just said. Can um, you send me that later? I want to like creepily yeah. look at it and drink wine and think about it. <laughs> Just drink too much, and then maybe I'll crack the code. I might. We have to call Nicolas Cage. Actually, he might figure it out. <laughs> um, so once the room had twenty, once the house had twenty six rooms from its previous eight, 
uh, rail cars. Which is double 13, by the way. Holy shit. Just saying. Ooh. That's also, actually- just saying, the seance room had one entrance and three exits. <gasps> I don't one know. Three. Now, 13's just in my brain Wait, now, I think. It's because you're drinking. Keep going. Wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. It's this boxed wine. I can't believe <laughs> I haven't had it in months. It's all coming back. Uh, so once the, once the house had 26 rooms, rail cars actually had made a stop that was closer to our house, which meant more imported furnishings and materials could come in. Uh. So the house started growing even faster than it was with the first 26 rooms. Oh boy. Um, and the house, by the time that she died, the house was being promoted or, um, marketed as the house with 148 rooms. But every time they would do a room count, people would get a different number and eventually they were just like, fuck it. And so it's widely uh, <laughs> just accepted that the number's probably 160. Oh, so they just kind of averaged it out. <laughs> they were like, I guess it's around 160. Um, so Sarah also had two conservatories built with these really wild watering systems and a garden. Um, and she, uh, which I already explained, sorry, I think I just put that twice. Also, uh, in her seance room, she was the only one allowed in that room. And she always held the only key for it. Oh, creepy. Yeah. And the, Which is weird because it has so many exits and stuff. Why? Like, if it's only her, I don't know. Yeah, it's like, so strange. S- sometimes she just wanted to be in the closet. Now that feels homophobic. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> Did we figure oh, it out? My God, you can't leave the closet. Oh, my God. Because the door only opens one way. Metaphor. Wow, okay. so deep. So, uh... So fun fact about the seance room, because I I always thought it was like a really spooky, eerie looking room. It's actually a really pretty white and green color. Oh. Um, so it's not actually like dark and terrifying. I thought it looked kind of like this setup here. I thought well, I was it was thinking like, about robes and stuff. It sounds very, very ominous. Like Freemasony. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, it's just a, a white and green room. It's got those three doors, but it does I mean, have. I'm literally in a white and green room and you're in a creepy uh dark room so God maybe we're playing both sides of this thing here it's like she it's like she knew <laughs> um the weird thing about this room the other weird thing about this room excuse me <laughs> uh that there are some windows in there and only two of the sets of windows have spiked bars on them Ooh, but the what? other windows are fine i don't understand Okay, also, I mean, I guess this goes back to her believing these ghosts are coming for her, like she was probably like trapping them or something. She was like, I don't know if you hate glass or iron more, <laughs> but like, here's some of both. I don't know if you can go through closets. We'll try everything. <laughs> maybe, maybe you need to be in the closet. Yeah. Well, it's, I never thought about that. If that's the, if only she was allowed in there, then why? It's just so odd, all these different exits. That's weird. Um, so some of the this is where people think like people start asking, well, how was she coming up with these like um, construction like ideas, like these right. wild, bizarre thoughts? Yeah. So she I guess there's a few theories to like how she came up with these construction thoughts, but a lot of them are based around um, that the ghosts suggested them to her, which oh. is weird to me because I feel like either she was coming up with them to keep spirits out right or like because if they were suggesting them then why were you taking the advice if you were trying to hide from if you're them. trying to maybe she was like you know double blinding them or something and like getting the information and then altering it in a way that like was mm. different than what they were suggesting but there's also a really interesting theory from one tour guide who says that she, they 
the, there were good spirits helping her keep bad spirits away. But these good spirits, <gasps> although they were trying to be really helpful because they were on a different realm, they really don't have a proper understanding of our physical world. And so they didn't really know what they were. They didn't realize that like the wall can't go to nowhere. It has to go somewhere because in a ghost's mind, it's like, well, if the, if the stairs lead to nothing, I'll just walk through the wall. It doesn't matter. So like <laughs> they were not thinking they're like the wor- like ghosts are the world's worst architects is what right. I'm saying. I get it. I get but it. But they, it was really like a five-year-old playing Sims for the first time of like, that makes sense <laughs> there. And that makes sense there. And you should do this. And she was just listening. So. Oh, I love that idea. I kind of love it too. It's really adorable that they're trying to help, but they're so bad at it. Um, they're like wait you can't walk through this wall <laughs> yeah like, well, how, I love what do you mean this isn't useful <laughs> that's fun or i mean maybe she was trying to appease the ghosts like she's like okay what if i build whatever you want right and, maybe i, I don't it, know who's to say maybe the ghosts <laughs> not me but um but so yes yeah, so that's it's one of those theories in, in some way um so sarah would have uh seances uh and talked to all these ghosts about construction ideas. And then the next morning she would come to the foreman. Each morning would have a completely different task for them. So like, oh even God, if they were how annoying, if they were even halfway through one thing, she would just cancel it and be like, "Never mind, I've decided I want this here or the ghost. Like, I know told she me. was paying them, but like, that just must be so infuriating where you're like, I just put like so much sweat and energy into this project. And now you're like, take it all down. I imagine being a construction worker. Like, I don't know. I'm in the world of entertainment, but I like to think they'd want to build a portfolio of what they're capable of. And like, yeah. <laughs> you just like never can build your resume because you're like constantly destroying things before it's finished. <laughs> well, you know what? I remember in the first episode, we, I think you commented like, Oh, this sounds like our jobs in entertainment. <laughs> yes. T- truly. TV studios being like, Oh, 12 hours, 12 to 14 hour days. <laughs> Where they're like, do this for six hours. Never mind. I hate it. You did it all wrong. Throw it away and start over. Like, that's so true. I love that in today's world where I'm not like thinking about like movie stuff all the time. I didn't think about that. But at the time (laughs) when I was, I guarantee you when I said that, it was because earlier that day, someone had been like, I hate everything you've done. Start over. It was like so (laughs) spot on. That was probably the day I was scraping lettuce off the floor after like buying lettuce for someone who decided they didn't want lettuce. My I don't God. think you've ever actually told that story on the show, but wow, you really had like the <laughs> the quintessential like Hollywood intern. If I'm giving specifics, I have to say it was kale, not lettuce. Uh huh. Yeah, well, I want to be clear that it was kale. Please tell that story real quick because it right now. Yeah. Okay. Two hundredth episode special. There was this producer who, by the way, I've heard through the grapevine, uh, not saying names, that he has uh, fallen from grace. Let's just put it that way. Well, wow. shocker. Um, yeah. So I was at a uh, job and it was horrible, and it was twelve to fourteen hour days, and I was making like minimum wage. But like almost illegally, like they stop paying you at a certain number of hours. It's always almost illegal. Yeah, it's yeah, right. Always, it's like almost not technically illegal. legal. Uh, there was no HR, all that good stuff. Um, and I would have to go get lunch for for the producers. And I went and got lunch for this one guy who was very specific about his diet, and he wanted extra lettuce in his salad, which I was like, I don't know what that means. But he wanted extra lettuce in his kale salad. So I was like, okay. So I went and got him extra lettuce in his kale salad. I did everything the way that it was written. And I brought it to him. And he literally he like looked at me. And I had a master's degree. I want to be clear, like we were grownups. Like we yeah. were like children. You were like, like 24. <laughs> yeah. And he just looks at me and he fucking dumps it on the floor. And he's just like, 
I don't even know at that point what he said because I think I just blacked it out. But he, it was something like, um, "It's like, are you going to pick that up or something?" Yeah, yeah. There was so much lettuce in it, and I was like, "Oh, I thought you wanted extra lettuce." And he was like, "Oh, does it look like I want to eat like an entire bowl of lettuce?" And I was like, "I mean, kind of, but okay." <laughs> so I was like, uh, "And then he literally just stares at me, and I stare at him, and he goes, "Are you going to pick that up?" And I was oh. like, "Oh!" And so he just like walked around it, left the room. And I spent the afternoon because it was fucking, he walked on top of it. And so now this kale was just like smushed into the ground underneath the refrigerator. I had to like get up and they didn't have any like, I was like, is there something I can use? And someone's like, there's plastic knives in the drawer. So I'd use a plastic knife and just like scrape the fucking <laughs> kale off the floor. I was like, this is what I'm getting paid for. But basically, I, I was losing money with gas. It was an hour and 40 minute drive one way. Mm-hmm. And I had to drop Geo off at daycare. I was losing money every day. And I'm like, what a waste of my life this is. It really is like, I mean, I've had, I I haven't had that ex- exact experience, but I've had some pretty darn close very ones. very similar ones, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, but what you see on TV about like interns just having the worst it's of wild. it is very true. It's true. And I remember, I sometimes t- tell that story and Renee's like, I always remember the time you texted me that you were eating lunch. And I was like, oh, where? Like at a cool LA restaurant? And you were like, <laughs> Oh no, I'm in the parking lot. And <laughs> she was like, what, what do you mean in the parking lot? And I was like, well, they told me I had to sit in the parking lot today. And she was like, why? And I was like, I have to watch out for like security concerns. And she was like, well, what are you sitting on? And I was like, the floor, the ground. And she was like, they didn't give you a chair. And I was like, no, the children's stars needed the chairs. So they didn't have any left. So I was literally just sitting in the fucking dirt eating my salad. It, it was, was like the saddest thing. The fucking worst. I also. <laughs> There was one there was one movie I worked on and this was when I before I got the job at ISS and I was working like on set and the child actor fucking hated me. The child actors, oh my god. Fucking hated me and because like everyone's terrified of like upsetting the kids because like you only have so much that's the thing you have so only have so much time legally to work with children yeah whatever the kid says you fucking do and so that kid fucking hated me and every time he was on set the producers would be like don't even bother coming to set. And I'm like, but I'm needed on. What are you talking about? But like my, my job was to hand him the props that he needed. Like I needed to literally be there so he could throw his truck or whatever in the fucking movie. I had to give him the truck and they were like, don't even bother. And I was like, legally i'm the only one who can do this like, <laughs> and so we need stupid. to have a child actor episode because oh i God. definitely think we could share stories we haven't shared before oh what a mess anyway anyway back to this nightmare um so <laughs> yeah so she would wake up every day and go to the foreman and be like i need this done immediately so welcome to hollywood guy so anyway yeah, that's uh, <laughs> um and so And she would just randomly, I mean, literally, it was like, I said this in the first episode, too. But it was like, oh, I want the walls red today. And then, like, the next day, she'd be like, never mind, paint everything blue. I mean, it was literally LA. (laughs) I can't imagine. Um, But uh, also, to confuse the ghosts even more, she started sleeping in different rooms every night, which, like, at least she's using every square space of of this place. That's true. Can you imagine having 40 bedrooms and not using them? No. Uh, I can't, well, I can't imagine the first half of that The first part, yeah. (laughs) Um, So in 1906, uh, there was actually a really terrible earthquake. It reached 8.3 on the Richter scale, and it severely damaged the house. It also trapped Sarah in one of the rooms. Um, Oh, no. And the, I guess the structure of the wall kind of leaned into the door, so it pinched the door shut and she couldn't get out. I mean, what what did she think was going to happen? Again, fire hazard. With all these buildings, yeah. Something was going to happen. Yeah. 
and uh, her staff ended up using a crowbar to pry the door open, and uh, you can still actually see the mark from where the crowbar <gasps> got the door. No way. Super That's creepy. so cool. But after this earthquake, a lot of the fourth floor had to be removed, so now the um, Winchester Mystery House is shorter than it used to be. Um, wow. Still pretty fucking big, though. Don't worry. Um <laughs> And she basically she took this as a sign, this earthquake and the house being damaged. She took it as a sign that the spirits thought she was spending too much time decorating versus mourning and grieving the spirits. Oh, dear. Um, so she told the builders to seal up that whole section of the house. And actually, years, years later, they found a bunch of hidden rooms where she had asked them to seal it up. And they were like halfway through construction. So they're like kind of like the bones of the house, which is cool. <gasps> Creepy. Um she said, seal up the section of the house, and she ended up moving 30 minutes away, so she didn't stay in the house anymore, but she would still visit literally daily with the most ridiculous plans. Oh, um, no. So she uh, was still there all the time. She just didn't stay there anymore. But fun fact, she also had a houseboat um, on the oh. San Francisco Bay, and people called it Sarah's Ark, like Noah's Ark. I love that. Because apparently, on top of being paranoid about ghosts, she had a regular fear of like a Noah's Ark-sized flood coming. So she oh, had dear. a houseboat. And she needed to see a therapist, I She think. did. Uh, ironically, too, the boat caught on fire and was destroyed. No. <laughs> Yeah. Stop it. Um, so she lived in the second home for 16 years, but she still literally every single day for 16 years came back and she would make wild requests. Later in life, um, when she was suffering from arthritis, she uh, started most of her requests were just making the stairs shorter um, so she could still walk around in it. Um, but in 1922, she was 83 years old. She had a seance and went back to bed. And that night she died in her sleep from heart failure. Aww. And she's buried in New Haven, Connecticut with her family. Um, the construction ended immediately. Like, the, <laughs> like I remember this being my biggest takeaway from the tour um, that I went on. Uh, that literally when the workers heard that she died, they just walked away like there are still nails that are half nailed in because they were like oh she's dead i can finally stop <laughs> wow. they were like not even finishing this hammer <laughs> motion like, i don't even care anymore so wow they, they just walked away um weirdly wow. there is weirdly there's this like moon-shaped hedge um that actually points directly to the room where she died and so <laughs> they've always left that hedge alone and so they maintain that really well and people Aww. say now there's like a lot of spiritual activity there where if you're standing there and you look up at the window sometimes people see her Ooh. um when she did uh die the house they valued the house officially as it was at five million dollars at the time or 71 million dollars today wow yikes holy shit um when she died her bank account obviously had depleted at least a little um, i would think so yeah and some people think that she actually hid her fortune in a safe so her family wouldn't try to come after her money um, but her relatives, uh, one of the things that I think I was trying to mention in the first episode, but probably hadn't gotten this far in the research, her relatives did actually come to the house. So maybe that's where I thought that they were trying to alter things or that's, ah. or maybe that's where the stories come from of like, well, the relatives were there. They could have fucked around with the house. But realistically, they were there purely for the will and were breaking down walls, trying to like find safes in the walls. And like <gasps> they were oh. trying to... And they found some of the safes. One of the safes was in the ballroom. And, Stop. Uh, How wild. This should be a movie. 
true all of it should be a movie yeah it it actually is a movie we'll talk about that in a second oh okay (laughs) um so uh they found one of the safes in her in the ballroom and she only had a few things in there there were like newspaper clippings and shit but the main things that she had in there which are noteworthy is she had um locks of hair that were her father and her daughters and their and their obituaries so like she had so that's precious. But then the weird one is that she, with it was uh, a bunch of wool underwear. Oh. I don't know why that was like. Whose was it? I don't know. Why was that what she felt she must keep? I hope it was clean. I hope so, too. Um, so up nice. until her death, um, the house had 18 servants, 13 carpenters, 8 to 10 gardeners, 2 chauffeurs. Um, and they were all very loyal to Sarah. So they... Um, Sarah spent a lot of money to make sure that they had like perfect, you know, grade A amenities. I mean, I've, I've done the, I've seen the tour and seen like what their, their like servants quarters were, which usually I'm like, yikes, what a phrase, Yeah. but like, wow, I wish I lived in that fucking space. Like it was, (laughs) they had, they had offices, they had these big ass rooms. They had, um, she had custom made specific, um, like machinery and equipment so that their chores would be easier than the average person. Like she figured out what all the issues were with like how laundry was done at the time and how cooking was done at the time. And so she made all of these basically inventions so that all of the hard parts of those jobs would be easier for the servants. And she paid everyone double the average rate, including the construction workers. Wow. So um, they were very loyal to her. Some people could say, of course she was being nice. She needed them to like help her keep the spirits away. Um, and of course they were loyal because she was paying them double the rate and treating her, treating them so well. Right. I mean, at least there's that. But a lot of people think just throughout the years, they just like all really loved each other and she treated them like family. Right. Um, and so, uh, the staff were so loyal that, um, for the whole time they worked there, they never spoke to any journalists about like her behaviors or her choices. Wow. Um, they were just like, we love Sarah Winchester. Like we're not saying anything. So after her death, all the furniture was removed. It took eight truckloads a day, every day for six and a half weeks, which was mm-hmm. almost 400 truckloads. And movers told the press that they got lost in there so many times. So it like made it even longer to actually get everything out of the house. Wow. Because they were getting on stairs thinking it led to downstairs, but it led to upstairs oh, and shit. Oh, can you it was, imagine? Um, her niece inherited uh, $3,000. Uh, or no, yeah, $3,000 and all of Sarah's personal possessions. But she also got a cushy $2 million trust fund, which in today's world is $31 million. Wow. Um, the house was bought and turned into an attraction and a landmark to the public after only five months of Sarah being dead. It was immediately an attraction. Five months? Wow. Yeah, like... They, the family decided immediately, like, oh, we know what we're doing with this. Um, and they actually, I think they sold it to a tour company. Um, fun yeah. fact, the house was a major inspiration for the haunted house ride in Disneyland. Oh. Another fun fact, one of the one of the first people to see the place when it became an attraction was Robert Ripley of Ripley's Believe It or Not. Oh, my God. And uh, another fun fact is, so it's called the Winchester Mystery House, but guess who coined it that? I don't know. It's not you and it's not me. It's Houdini. Houdini. (gasps) (laughs) Wow. So he was also in 1924. He was one of, I guess, you know, if we're 
since 2020, he's seen as one of the first people to visit the house. And he called that is so cool. The Winchester Mystery House. Oh, thank God I caught on to what you were saying. Me too. I, I was like, like, I'm going like to look real idiot. I was like, I'm going to look real stupid in a second. <laughs> I think people, if you go back on YouTube, you can see Fear in My Eyes building. I was like, oh my God, please say it. <laughs> Um, so this house has been dubbed by, uh, a lot of people, USA Today, Time, Travel Channel, a bunch of them. It's been dubbed as one of the top 10 most haunted houses in the country. Um, there are no official documents of any paranormal experiences for Sarah, but I mean, she had a fucking seance room. Um, I'm going to guess also, hmm, she literally was hiding from ghosts. So, (laughs) and like taking their blueprint advice. Exactly. They were, they were her architects. So, um, I'm going to say she did have some paranormal experiences. Safe to say. Um, like you don't just go out and get 13 robes for no reason. Uh, no, I can certainly say with confidence, you don't just go out and buy 13 robes, 12, maybe 13, uh-uh. not a baker's dozen. Come on now. So, uh, people who were, who people who work there do report frequent paranormal activity, including temporary blindness. Yikes. Oh God. I remember that. Can you imagine being blind in that fucking house? Like Temporarily. <laughs> good luck. Yes, temporarily. Like, can you imagine, like, losing your vision and you're, like... Like, halfway up the stairs to nowhere? Yeah. (laughs) Imagine if all of a sudden I couldn't see and then I went, Christine, help me out of this house. And you're the worst person with directions. You know me. I would go... I'd say, walk out this door. And then you'd walk out of the third floor onto the the ground. (laughs) And as I I fall to my death, I would hear your echoing voice go, I'm bad at directions. (laughs) Your eyesight would come back halfway down and you would just see me going, oopsies. just see the impact (laughs) no uh yeah so temporary blindness or if you're christine like just constant loss of (laughs) my life welcome to my life (laughs) um and then icy chills people feel handprints on or they see handprints on their arms they also feel hands stroking them and like rubbing their back sometimes um people hear organ music even though the organ that is in the house does not work if you press the buttons it won't play Ooh. um even neighbors hear the organ playing apparently Um, people see moving lights. They see red flashes in her room. People hear doorsteps, thumping voices and windows apparently bang so hard that they've shattered. Oh gosh. Um, people have also seen a quote, bushy haired woman standing out on one of the windows, um, on the second floor from the garden. Bushy haired woman. Is that her? I guess. I never heard about her (laughs) hair. I heard about everything else. Um, people also see a small woman dressed in black near the picnic gardens. Um, and one worker, while he was on a ladder, he said that he almost fell and he felt a hand push him back up. <gasps> wow. Well, that's nice. Which is precious. And it also kind of confirms for me, like, her love for her workers. Yeah, exactly. Um, or she's like, I'm the only ghost here now. I don't know. Which <laughs> uh, <laughs> Don't you die on my property. <laughs> not here. Not now. Um <laughs> So one of the guides, uh, also, I mean, every guide there, or most of the guides there apparently have some sort of experience, but one guide in particular said that he went into the room where Sarah was trapped during the earthquake, and he heard a very loud sigh in the hallway and saw um, something glide around the corner and heard another sigh, but never found anyone. Ooh. Arguably, though, like, you could hide in a lot of places in that house. That's true. <laughs> so, um one of the Winchester Mystery House's like own PR coordinators said that when he was taking pictures, he found a lot of weird stuff in them. Apparently, on the Winchester Mystery House Facebook, people will post their own pictures, like trying to see if like, can you see anything in my pictures? 
1975, a paranormal investigator and reporters went into the seance room and they had a seance together. And this is a quote from the reporter who said that uh, they were looking at someone else in the seance room and saw their face, quote, age right in front of my eyes, her hair grayed, and she formed deep crease lines in her forehead. She experienced staggering pain and was unable to walk. And right before she passed out, she screamed, help me, someone get me out of here. Oh, God. Yeah, it got dark real quick. Um, Yeah, that's not good. Employees also hear their names being called when they're closing up. Doors are always flying open. If you close it and then walk away and come back, it's open. People smell soup in the kitchen. Um, (laughs) Okay, I actually remember that from episode one. I I remember I listened to that and I went, wow, we really didn't make a big deal of that. But like, in my mind, that's a big deal. I like, I'm like, why didn't we talk about that more? Like, what kind of soup? Like, is what kind of soup? Was it her favorite soup? I think we were trying to take ourselves so seriously that we were like, okay, we got to we got to stick to the subject. Meanwhile, I'm sitting here and I'm like, soup sounds pretty good right now. Oh, my God. Uh, So people also feel a hot spot where the stove used to be installed. I love that. I think that's super cool. Yeah. Um, Because it's usually cold spots, which I feel like is easy to explain as like a breeze or whatever. But a hot spot is like stranger to me. I would be interested to stand in that spot and see if I also got a cold spot because that's like a real fluctuation of temperature there. Oh, Um, like a ghost walking into the place where the oven was. Yeah, like I'll stand here. Now I feel hot. And then a ghost approaches me. Isn't that how tornadoes form, though? Oh, is it? (laughs) Never mind. When I think, I know tornadoes have like hailstones. I'm not a meteorologist, if you didn't know that about me. I know. We're still learning things about each other. Still learning. The more you don't love guns, and I don't know anything about weather or directions. I'm also a clown, by the way. I don't know if I've told you that yet. But oh, there's that fun fact. When we get to five episodes, then you'll know. Um, (laughs) So some of the tours have actually found a like the chandeliers in each of the rooms swinging right when they're coming in it's almost like someone was greeting them into each room or like beating them to it like i like to think the spirits were like hurry up like i'm already in here hello run 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 yeah (laughs) so uh a lot of tour people will end up seeing chandeliers swinging as they're going through on the tour and one of the guard dogs which precious they have guard dogs (gasps) he gets scared going down one of the hallways and he won't go down unless the guards shine a flashlight for him oh buddy um He's very brave everywhere else, though. He's a good boy. What a good boy. Um, One investigator said that the room felt weird um, and, like, had a really weird vibe. So he tried to listen for any weird sounds and started hearing what sounded like screws being unscrewed, like hearing Mm. them, like, come out of the wall. And he was like, that's weird. But he, like, ignored it. And a couple minutes later, three screws fell from the ceiling. Oh, God. With the swinging chandeliers, that seems like a bad combination. <laughs> it sounds like, like Final Destination. Wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, it does. Uh, a ghost was seen and later identified as one of the servants who used to fix the fireplace. Apparently, he's seen in the ballroom a lot trying to fix the fireplace now. And people just know Aww. him as like the ghost worker. But imagine that's eternity for you. Fixing, you could just never fix the fireplace. Fixing a fireplace that probably also never worked to begin with no. because it isn't a working it fireplace. it goes to the floor three. Yeah. <laughs> Because it goes to the elevator, stupid. (laughs) Um, So uh, the bell tower where Sarah would call the servants in, people still hear it ring at midnight and at 2 a.m., which apparently those were the two times when she would ring the bell to release spirits from her seance room. Like she, that was like part of her ritual where she would like close out. She would ring the bell to like say goodbye to the spirits. Okay. And so now at the same time that she used to do that, people hear the bell ring. 
Um, in the 2000s, they started a behind-the-scenes tour, so they were opening up the basement and other places that the normal tour didn't actually go. So this meant a lot of the staff had to stay extra hours and clean out all the spaces that they were going to be using and organize it. And so they hired on extra maintenance just to, like, get it done faster. And everyone was noticing this one guy, and he was in, like, these white coveralls. And he a lot of times was uh, with a wheelbarrow, and nobody knew who he was. The, like, normal staff was like, who is this guy? The maintenance supervisor was like, we didn't hire him. I have no idea who this guy is. We thought he was with you. And they just, like, kept seeing this guy around until they got to the basement and started clearing it out. And then they found this portrait of him. (gasps) From Sarah Winchester's time. <gasps> and uh, <gasps> and so now that picture hangs in the basement. Um, so that's pretty terrifying. Did he just want a photo of himself hung up on the wall? Now he's like, okay, I'll leave you in peace now. Like, Thank l- you for hanging my, my let portrait. Let me have my Insta moment. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I catch you on TikTok in uh, 2016. <laughs> um, so the uh, in 20, actually in 2016, uh, he was on TikTok. Oh, my God. Um, oh, my God. Also, uh, a previously undiscovered attic space was found. That's pretty terrifying. I don't like that. And in 2018, Vanity Fair said that there have been 12 million visitors since it opened. And also in 2018, the movie Winchester was released starring Helen That's Mirren. right. 14% on Rotten Tomatoes. Woof. Yeah. Um, I Even also, for a horror movie, that's bad. I did go see it in theaters with Allison, and I remember being like, yikes. This was. I remember everybody tagging us in that on Twitter. I was also disappointed in that movie. I mean, it, first of all, like, I wanted something a little more accurate with, like, all the, like, the craziness to it. Like, with this story I'm telling right now, that could be a great movie. A great film, yeah. And instead it was just... One, it was just Helen Mirren running away from invisible things. So, uh, <laughs> like, and I'm like, with Helen Mirren, really? Like, come on. I know, like, come on. Someone I respect too. It's like, what a shame. Yeah. So, um, in 2019, uh, the Winchester Mystery House actually, this is one of my favorite spookier ones. Um, they hired an architectural historian to research who made the stained glass windows because <sighs> they had never figured it out. And this guy was like, I'm not really sure, but after my research, I think it was this company called the Pacific American Decorative Company. I'm not sure, but I think that's where my research is implying. Okay. Um, And they were like, all right, well, uh, you know, I wish we had some concrete evidence, but whatever. The next day after they were told that, the very next day, a restorer uh, uncovered in the house a perfectly preserved envelope that was hidden inside (gasps) a wall for 125 years. And it was addressed to Mrs. S. L. Winchester, and it had the logo Pacific American Decor- De- Decorative Company. Oh my god! So it was the company that he had just talked about and confirmed that they made the windows. Oh my god! That's Damn. super bananas. I'm just like that stuff fascinates me. Holy shit! Can you imagine finding something? I know my favorite murder always talks about this, but like finding shit in walls is so fascinating. Or like I finding it. preserved like documents. Oh my god! I'm just mad at it hasn't happened to me yet. But maybe I don't want it. But maybe I do. I don't know what I want. Uh, I've stuffed enough random shit into like newel <laughs> posts and walls when and vents when I was little in different houses I lived in that like eventually someone will find it and be like this is worthless. But to me, I thought it was well, pretty cool. 
to you, it might have just it might just be like a five year old left something on the wall. But like, if I found anything on a wall, that's I would true. Already decide the creepiest fucking story behind it. That's true. I wrote weird stories and put them in the newel posts of one of our old houses, and I'm like waiting for someone to oh do my construction. God. And it's like literally me as an eight year old writing and drawing pictures. So yeah, it's probably pretty fucking creepy. <laughs> you know what's funny is I just I've seen it before, but I, it just resurfaced. There was this like Tumblr post back in the day love it and uh it was saying like isn't it wild that like for years like decades we had scientists trying to like figure out hieroglyphics and like figure out like (laughs) what these like really like cryptic phrases could mean until we could like actually translate it finally and then they found out after they were able to translate some of the hieroglyphics that they were just like us people had like just said like the word penis or like (laughs) like it's like these were like sacred texts that people like wrap their beliefs around and it was like like christine was here like it was like harvard scientists yeah well there was my brother and i did a a beach tea sandy episode on um on italian uh historic sites we did pompeii and the earliest it was like the some somebody wrote an article about the earliest basically like yelp reviews in history and it was like back in, in pompeii before the volcano hit so it's preserved and it was like uh old etchings that said like uh, this innkeeper gave me like shitty soup and Shut you shouldn't up. go here like one star <laughs> basically and oh like my gosh. uh he overcharged me even though my friend pompeius like didn't get over or whatever and they That's found out all these like reviews so funny. sketched into rock it's fascinating anyway so yeah and then one of them literally said um i have a big penis yeah so, i mean yeah <laughs> so funny it's like okay so we are cavemen got it we haven't changed yeah we haven't Um, evolved not even a little bit uh okay i'm i'm wrapping up here i just wanted to say that this place is on the national register of historic places and a uh, san jose is a san jose landmark the gift shop it looks like an old timey attraction on its own they've got like an old uh like a 25 cent psychic where it's like one of those automated wizards that like <gasps> i love those tells you if you're cool or not and then um <laughs> i don't need 25 cents i know the answer uh <laughs> and they have like a, a 1916 movie box for you to like look in and like see a charlie chaplin video playing Ooh. um they sell a bunch of products i remember going into the gift shop alone before i actually went on the tour and i was like this is fucking noodles um (laughs) and then and here's my favorite update as of 2020 due to covid so winchester mystery house usually has a shitload of tours like they have a garden tour they have a normal tour they have an even longer extended normal tour they have like an a behind the scenes tour they have a flashlight tour on halloween i think they host seances or something um but Obviously, they're not making any money right now because of COVID. So Winchester Mystery House has done quite um, a, a charitable thing here. A charitable, mm-hmm. like, to me only. Like, um, uh, okay. But they have uh, built out an entire virtual tour on the website for a very, very reasonable price of, like, reasonable price of, like, 10 bucks. Really? So you can do the entire tour. Also, um, one of the things I did, you can become, like, a Winchester member, which I did online. And uh, I think you get access to this all the time, but it's a not just like a virtual um, like a they have a virtual documentary that's like 45 minutes long where it teaches you all about Sarah Winchester. And they have a 360 virtual tour where like you can literally click through it and go through all the rooms. And how cool I feel like like they don't realize how like 
good of an idea that is because on the normal tour you only get to see a chunk of the house but this thing for 10 bucks you can see the you can see every room that's even off limits wow so it's really really cool and through it there are like little dots for you to like click on and it'll (gasps) play there was one that played like a haunted video like they like there was like a chandelier and when you clicked on it there was an actual like embedded youtube video (gasps) okay someone cool someone who went on the tour and you can see the chandelier swinging like crazy by itself Oh, that's cool so it was also its own little haunted tour because you got like little clips like that so I highly suggest it. Um, I am actually going to go home and redo the, the tour again because I I'm trying that. I'm trying to memorize the whole layout so I can be like, I know that house. Like, it's well, easy. I want, <laughs> I know. Been there, done that. I want to go with you. We've never been together. No, I've never I would ever. love to go with you. I would love and to And when go. we went to San Jose, which was Lemon's birthday, birthplace mm-hmm. also, uh, we were there <laughs> yeah. for so br- like such a brief amount of time we didn't get to go, but I would love to go. It was, it's, to this day, it's one of my favorite uh, attractions I've ever been to. And- you're right that now I'm that I'm mentioning the episode where I mentioned the house from San Jose and I mentioned lemons all in one episode and that's true oh my god (laughs) and San Jose is lemons birthplace so um so there's the 360 tour you can see uh surprisingly a lot of the house um also you can see that there's a lot of things in there that have like this like old-timey spiderweb design on it Ooh. which um is pretty interesting in theory because like the i looked up the meaning of a spiderweb or spiders in general and apparently it quote spiders embody women the creative force and weaving the designs of life and fate Spider bestows the power to work magic over people and things. By weaving, it gains a certain amount of control, which sounds very much like exactly what she was trying to do. Oh, I just got like intense goose cam. That is so on point. So the last, this is, um, this also, is. Also, I miss Skylar. <laughs> Shout out to Skylar. And Deb the Web. <laughs> oh my God. Skylar's like, thank God you're gone. <laughs> Okay, this is my last part. I couldn't I couldn't do this right um, without talking about ZB. So I knew it. I knew it. Um, there isn't too much to go off of here, but I still wanted to mention it because he's as ridiculous as ever. Um, <laughs> so he introduces, by the way, the episode, uh, his episode at the Winchester house. Uh, he introduces the house while holding a rifle and then he shoots at the camera. <laughs> Sorry. Wow. <laughs> Somehow that took me by surprise. I, for whatever reason, I was not expecting that. He shoots at the camera and like, obviously Stop. it's like, it's like a dummy ballistic, but he, sh- it like goes off. The cu- but also you're not ever supposed to fucking point even an unloaded gun. Maybe it was Aaron behind the camera. That's the only ex- That must have been it. <laughs> um, there are several shots where he's like pointing a gun at the camera. Oh, God. Um, there's oh one God. in the middle. There's like a B-roll shot of all three of them pointing a gun at the camera. Stop it. So a lot of the beginning parts of like their walkthrough is just shots of Zach being lost and just being like, but it's like almost like that douchey freshman, sophomore, <laughs> high schooler lost where he's like, He's not lost, but he like just wants the attention. He's like, he wants to make a scene. He's like, wait, but you're over there, but I'm over here, but you're over there. (laughs) It's like, yeah, Zach, it's a fucking maze. Like, that's the point. Um, And then he like is just like constantly blown away by this house. He says it's like being in Willy Wonka's chocolate factory. And then he licks the wallpaper. (laughs) No, that's not he went too no he oh my god he got a little too wonka with it um (laughs) so he this is my favorite part because i think i have a feeling and if this is true please god write us and let us know if i'm telling the truth here i'm pretty sure one of the workers or whoever was on the this episode 
she must be a listener of and why? that's why we drink just her attitude i just kind of get a vibe i was like she would listen to our podcast um because <gasps> she'd be a she'd be a friend she gets she'd it. be a friend like <laughs> if i ever mentioned zach bagel bites to her she'd be like let me fucking tell you about this guy <laughs> um so the worker like pokes fun at him for getting lost because he has to go to the bathroom so bad and he's like and there's like fucking 13 bathrooms but none of them work anymore and a Fun fact, in case you do go to this house, the actual bathroom is like outside because they don't want anyone accidentally going to the wrong bathroom. So they have a totally separate bathroom (laughs) on site. Um, But he was like trying to like get into the bathrooms, but they all have like this glass panel on them so you can see in to the bathroom. And he's like trying to yank the door Mm. and it's locked and he can't get in. So he goes up to this worker and he's like, I have to use the bathroom like a camel, which like don't camels hold their pee really well? Ew. Yeah. You're supposed to say like a racehorse. Right. But apparently... I need to pee like someone who doesn't need to pee. Okay. Um, yeah, that sounds about correct. And yeah. the worker pokes fun at him for getting lost. And so you can tell, like, maybe he still has to pee or something, and it's really bad. Because he went, you've worked here for four years. I've been here for four minutes. <gasps> and then the worker goes, you. the worker goes, I learned the entire house in two days. <laughs> ah! <laughs> okay, no like, wonder M wants to learn the virtual tour to be able to say this. That's exactly thing. why I was like, I could learn yeah. that in two days. Then I got to like, I could just keep I mean, clicking back and forth. I'm like that asshole who's Zach, who's like, yeah, I'm lost. Okay, I get it. I'm terrible at directions. <laughs> I just need to pee. That I get it, Zach. For once, I get it. I, I really liked her like snap and I like her snap back at him. And I feel like her eyes suggested like i know exactly what i fucking said and someone out there is going to appreciate this and i do we do so uh only like really small things happened during the first part of this investigation they were like um it was like like some evps that were really like not very specific there was like an orb in a picture that he fucking freaked out over the most important thing that i should mention is before the investigation they thought it was important to prep for this with like to like really bring out the spirits who are mad about the Winchester rifle. And so they went to a shooting range and they shot at a white poster that said demon on it. (laughs) So really piss them off. Oh my God. So, um, so that's what he fucking did. It was at least like a, like arguably a five minute segment of him just shooting out a white piece of paper. Emma. Oh my god! I don't even like. And he looked so badass. I'm sure he wore the exact shirt to show off the exact (laughs) tattoos he wanted to show off on his exact biceps. Um. So, uh, the main thing that happened during this investigation, which, like, I guess, is an interesting experiment. During the tour, he found out that some people think that this house is actually on either ley lines or some sort of vortex or it could be a portal to another realm or something. Okay, love that. Yeah. And so he ended up saying uh, there have been some other houses or some other locations that we've investigated that we felt like we had really strong attachments to or we had really interesting experiences at. And they also claimed to be portals to the other side. One of them was the Washoe Club in Nevada and the other was Bobby Mackey's in kentucky That's right which by the way i found out is 15 minutes from my freaking house and we have triangulated ourselves just like house well, of pies it's 15 <laughs> minutes from cincinnati so that doesn't really give you much direction but i didn't realize how close it was to cincinnati but we, like when you visit we have to go oh without question but like I, 15 minutes i do think it's fun that we've made a full circle here in our triangulating we've learned nothing this whole time um, we've learned nothing <laughs> well is anybody surprised if we had learned something i'd be disappointed <laughs> We, uh, we have not changed. So, um, so I I haven't seen the Bobby Mackey's episode in a very long time, but I vaguely remember that it was like 
one of his earlier very dark episodes where oh. he was actually they performed an exorcism on him at Bobby Mackey's. Oh dear. Because he was like there was he had an attachment and then he went to this place that's supposed to be super powerful and got an exorcism and like the demon like kind of low key came out at Bobby Mackey's oh, or something. Great. So Bobby Mackey's apparently just the thought of it makes him feel really uncomfortable. So he thought since these are other places that are really powerful that are said to be vortexes and I'm currently in one of them, one of those houses, what uh-huh. if we, he made it try, he tried to make it sound much more scientific and elaborate than it was really what it was, was he was Skyping two other people. Um, he was calling in those it, places in those places while they <gasps> investigated. And th- the thought was that they they could all talk to each other um, while they were all investigating at the same time. And if Zach said, like, if you are a spirit at Bobby Mackey's, please come to the Winchester Mystery House. And they would try to measure, did it? Did any of their equipment go off after that demand? Or did was there, uh, was there any evidence at both Bobby Mackey's and Winchester Mystery House that something was happening at the same time during a transfer of right. the spirit? So it's an interesting theory. Yeah, um, I mean... I, I get the concept. It's he tried to make it sound like he was like a secret agent and like figured out he was like, <laughs> We're going to connect with these other people through a satellite network. And I was like, Okay, the internet. Right. <laughs> Skype. <laughs> um so basically what happened, they ended up getting some good stuff. Um right when the Washoe Club asked the spirits to jump to the Winchester house, Aaron feels cold spikes. And uh, Bobby Mackey's picks up a demonic growl in, on an EVP. So it's interesting that all three of them interacted in some way. But they didn't know that it was happening. They were all saying at the same time, there was like, oh, this happened to me. Oh, this happened to me. But they didn't know like, oh, right now I'm going to say this. No, they didn't know. Okay, got it, got it. They uh, like lined it up later. Yeah. Got it. And uh, some of some things they were able to pick up in real time and other things I think they just found out later in posts were sure. happening at the same time. Um, but so they picked up a growl and then later Zach says like this the voice that I heard was at, when I was at Bobby Mackey sounded exactly like this demon. So in his theory, this thing heard them from the Winchester house and like wanted to scare them all over again from the last time. To um, Skype with him. Got it. They, okay. he, to FaceTime. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> Zach asked the spirits to come through. And at the same time, something at the Washoe club moved and an investigator got touched. And there was a female EVP that came in that said, Hey, you, um, oh, that's nice. Yeah. Aaron feels a cold spot at the same time that things are going on at Bobby Mackey's. And they think that they both feel uh, the spirit jumping from one place to another because they're both having cold spots and called it at the exact same moment. Um, While Bobby Mackey's is trying to figure out connection issues on their satellite network. (laughs) um, They ask if the spirits are responsible for their shitty Wi-Fi. And (laughs) and EVP says yes. Um, Love it. Then at the Washoe Club, there was a male voice that came through um, in real time that said enter, which is terrifying. (gasps) And then Aaron all of a sudden feels like he wants to throw up at the same time an EVP comes out that says Aaron kill. Oh, that being said, I listened to it and it doesn't sound like Aaron kill. Um, (laughs) Okay. (laughs) But there was knocking on the wall that made no sense. And a lot of their equipment started going off at the same time. Um, Aaron starts getting like hot and cold sweats. He wanders off and doesn't realize that he wandered off, which is like one of the first signs of a possession, which apparently he also did at Bobby Mackey's. I think, um, he says he wants to be alone and he feels like he did when he was at Bobby Mackey's and he's like really scared, but he goes off to be by himself and says that he, he tells the spirits I'm alone. Come get me. Um, 
And at Bobby's Mackey's, they said, did you go after Aaron? And an EVP in Bobby Mackey said he told me to. <gasps> so that's kind of cool. That is creepy. Uh, Aaron walks up to Zach. And apparently he has like one of those like really sinister looks where he's not himself. Zach freaks out. Um, and says, like, you look really scary. You look like you don't normally look. And Aaron says that he, the whole time, didn't realize he even approached Zach, but he saw a man standing by him. Um, and then an EVP shows up that says, Aaron, you're an ass. <laughs> 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 so after all this, uh, this is the, after this portal test, one of the um, uh, members from the Washoe Club investigation they apparently didn't feel really good and like couldn't shake it after the investigation and their symptoms got so bad that only 10 days later she went to an exorcist oh dear so i apparently they even put a disclaimer in the show where they're like she apparently was already dealing with some like dark attachments so we don't know if like we made it worse or not but like probably didn't help oh dear okay and then this is probably actually my favorite um thing that's happened on uh on ghost adventures but it's kind of sad but it's the most um uh goose bumpy goose cam thing for me okay is that um after that portal test happened they were on their own investigation for the night and uh everything's really calm nothing's happening at all but uh they're holding like a piece of equipment and it goes off you can hear the alarm go off and with he did not have uh, his like human body physiologically didn't have time to react to this. So it's not like he heard this and then all of a sudden said something. He, at the same time that the sound goes off, he like looks at the camera and goes, I have to stop. I have to go. <gasps> and he just was acting. He also said it really calmly, like nothing was happening that should have freaked him out, but he looked like he wasn't doing good. He said that like before the equipment went off, he felt really, really weird and like really off and then, like, literally, as he starts talking, the machine goes off. So I don't think he could have known about that. Right. And he just looks at the camera and says, I have to stop. I have to go. And then he radioed the property manager to let them out. And it's the only time he's ever, like, exited a location. <laughs> and that happened at 1 a.m. And they were in Pacific Standard Time. And the next day, he found out that at 4 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, which is the same time, his grandmother died. <gasps> yeah. So... Not like the best note to end on, but you know, holy shit, still creepy, still very. That creepy. is so goose cammy. Uh, anyway, that is the Winchester Mystery House. Ah, that again. was so good. <laughs> Thank you. Wow. I'm sorry. Uh, th- welcome to the longest episode we've ever done. But uh, the I wanted- laptop says one hour fifty nine minutes. Super duper. Listen, I'm. That was wild. I'm like, I was just enamored. Also. The thing about his grandma, that's... Isn't that crazy? Oh, boy. I mean, I like, when my grandma died, I had the same kind of, like, weird, full-on body panic attack, like, couldn't breathe thing, and I didn't even know why until later. So yeah. it's, like, the same, like, your body's reacting, you don't know why. It was Holy super weird, shit. too, because, like, it was almost like when the meter went off, it was like his grandma, like, went to say bye or something. <gasps> yeah, like, it triggered the thing. Oh, yeah. that's so creepy. It was weird dude. that it almost, like, registered the experience he was having. And he wow. he was so calm. He literally just looked at the camera like we have to go. <gasps> it was very weird. Wow. But um. Anyway, I I'm 
I would like to apologize and say, sorry, this is so long. But the last couple of times we've done that, we've gotten like a slew of DMs from people being like, we love your long episodes. Please stop apologizing. Yeah, so, they keep yelling us to to stop apologizing. So I guess maybe eventually we will stop. So today we'll in our own nature. it. But I am going to justify we'll it. it. I'm going to justify it with saying like, I've wanted to uh, get a uh, get some like redemption on researching that location. because. Yeah. We didn't know what we yeah. were doing the first time we got to talk about it. We just were like, what's our favorite thing? And then we talked about it. And then like 100 episodes later, we were like, oh, I wish we could have like really taken the time to like yeah. go into it. Yeah. Um, so there you go. Well, uh, I do want to say one one really quick note. I forgot when we were talking earlier about our flashbacks of like, wow, we did, like this hadn't happened. This hadn't happened. This hadn't happened yet. We also forgot to mention the best part. We never, we hadn't met Eva yet. No, we hadn't even had Eva in our lives. So no wonder we were so dismal and dark. We should do a little clinky clink. <gasps> oh yeah, here we go. Clink. Cheers. To clink. Eva. To Eva. Without Eva. Eva, this we would not have 200 episodes, surely. So um, without Eva, I'd probably be buried somewhere in the ground. I would have buried you. Survive. You would have... <laughs> that's okay that's exactly it yeah okay i wouldn't have survived anyway thank you eva for your service we love love you you, eva forever and ever and ever don't ever leave us okay (laughs) i have a story for you today this is the story of jonestown Ah, i've heard of this one have you (laughs) yeah (laughs) oh my gosh i'm so excited about this this is another one where em and i covered like a story we were super excited about in the first episode and then we're like shit I want to do it again. So yep. we did it again. I'm very excited. Oh, my gosh. Yay. I also, uh, I so I intentionally did not listen to your half of the episode. Because oh, you didn't? I wanted to make sure that I didn't just copy myself when it came to, like, the banter. I want to, like, Oh, have, I probably did that with yours. But No, I loved it. I tried I, not to. I, I felt bad halfway through because I was like, man, like, she's really, like, helping me out here. And I, like, did not do, do the same. No, but I, silly. I wanted to make sure that I came in with a fresh mind. So okay, I if I'm off. being fully honest, I listened to it last night, so it's very fresh in my mind. Oh, perfect. Okay. <laughs> I, I just wanted to uh, give a hot take. That's all. I love it. Okay, wait. So now I'm ultra excited because there's a lot of things that we said that are so dumb. All okay. I remember is that there is a woman named Christine who like saves the day at one point. I think. Yes. That, I mean, that's the most important part of the story, I would argue. Uh-huh. So. I mean, and her last name is not Schieffer. Uh, wait a minute. Okay, hang on. Well, we didn't need to add that detail. Okay. <laughs> but I guess we could add it if we have to. It's too late. All right. So before 9-11, that's how we're beginning. Uh, before 9-11, this incident was known as the largest single incident of intentional civilian death in American history. Holy shit. Okay. Followed only by 9-11. So let's start with Jim Jones. He was born on May 13th, 1931. So he's a Taurus. I love it. Sounds stubborn. You're right. Mm -hmm. Uh, This was before we ever added our Zodiac obsession into our stories. But lo and behold, he was a Taurus. He was from Indiana, which you told told everybody, everyone, all the problems or all the crazy people come from Indiana or something like that. Yikes. I hate myself. (laughs) Um, well, I'm from ne- like 10 minutes from Indiana. So I was like, yeah, I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> I just know that the I, here's the thing. Uh, as someone who's always lived on coasts, I just don't know the Midwest well enough to the trust middle is, it. The Y'all middle sound, is scary. I feel like it's such a like a gray blur and you know it. So, you know, you can yeah. get away with a lot. There's a lot happening there. And it's so, yeah, it's all b- blurred together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, mm-hmm. you're completely spot on. With also, that. let me take this moment to say, I don't know what uh, Sarah Winchester's Zodiac was, but I can pretty much guarantee she was a Gemini. 
She sounds like a Gemini. She right? sounds like a. That's wa- probably why I kept saying, "Wow, I get it. I get it." <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, also, like, I'm sure a million people are about to tweet us what her actual birthday was, but like, I do think she. You're wrong. I'm telling you, she's yeah. a Gemini. <laughs> I'm sure, like, her rising sign was Gemini, if nothing else. Without okay? question, yeah. Okay. Um. So if you, so I don't know who remembers what from episode one, but I'll tell you, Jim Jones on his Wikipedia page. Uh, the top suggestion in the see also section is list of people who have claimed to be Jesus oh. and drinking the Kool-Aid. So those are kind of the two tags he gets. Those are Wikipedia. those are his uh, his most notable hashtags. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Got it. That's like his Tinder bio. Um, so <laughs> in episode one, uh, you so you had commented that you thought this was kind of like a story that our parents had known about while it happened. And we only heard secondhand. Yes. Which is kind of true. Like drink the Kool-Aid, you hear of it, but it happened, you know, during a time when we were not alive. I, I, rem- I just remember, I don't know why I have, why I ever saw it, but I only have, um, Maybe because it was the most dramatic or the most traumatic, but I remember like the image of like everyone on the ground afterwards. Yes, but that's the horrific. only that's the only thing I ever knew before really hearing the whole story. So I think I I made up the story in my head to match that picture. Well, you did you did talk about a documentary you watched, but you did say you didn't pay attention to it. So I, uh, makes sense that <laughs> I don't remember it three years later. Then okay. <laughs> thought that's what you're gonna mention but yeah that's what you talked about um so jim jones was always known as a really weird kid according to a childhood friend named chuck wilmore so there's this 2006 documentary not sure if that's the one you watched called jonestown the life and death of people's temple oh maybe it is there are quite a few documentaries so i don't know which one's which but um maybe it's one (laughs) his childhood friend said he was obsessed with religion he was obsessed with death a friend of mine told me he saw Jimmy kill a cat with a knife. Oh, so, shit. Like, he's, you know, homicidal homicidal triading all over the place, as yeah. they say. Yeah. As it's, nobody says but me. But, it's, there, it, it's looking not 100%. It's not yeah, looking are, great. No, things aren't starting starting off great. Mm-mm. So according to um, a book called The Road to Jonestown by Jeff Gwynn, Jones also had an early fascination with Adolf Hitler. Yikes. <laughs> Yikes. TM, Real, TM, TM. Let's make that a quadruple threat then. Instead yes, of the, this is a homicidal quadruple. Quad, I don't know. Quadrad. What, I don't know. The homicidal quadrad. You know what it is. What is it? The homicidal rhombus. What have we done here? Goodbye. Hang on a second. world. How did we? Goodbye, cruel world. I'm leaving you. I'm leaving this earthly plane. Leaving my husk behind. It's it's the love triangle. Nay, it's the homicidal rhombus. It's the homicide. I feel Eva writing that down for that episode, <laughs> episode title. The homicidal rhombus. Wow. Hang on. TMTM. Okay, got it, got it, got it. Now, when we I want to make when we make shirts with a rhombus on it. Don't you dare tell us that we copyrighted anything. Okay. Don't tell us that's a triangle because we don't know. Yeah, the yeah, difference. yeah. We don't know what shape it is. No, it could be. It's a, a, it's a rhombus. <laughs> it could be a hexagon for all I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a big word. Okay. <laughs> there was an X in there. I felt really, really yeah, smart with it. Yeah. Way to like who one over me. Okay. So. According to um, his friend, he had, I'm sorry, according to this author, this biography, uh, Jones had an early fascination with Adolf Hitler. When Hitler, this is a quote, when Hitler committed suicide in April 1945, thwarting enemies who sought to capture and humiliate him, Jimmy was impressed, he wrote. <sighs> so I, I feel like a um, 
a lot of my reactions are going to just be like recreations of Jim Halpert's face all the time. I'm just like, yeah, like the, the side eye. Yeah. Yeah. The groan. <laughs> yep. Uh, as a kid, Jim, speaking of, Jim was a regular churchgoer. He graduated from Butler University. And you can actually find his transcript online um, at jonestown.sdsu.edu. Uh, and actually here, I don't know, you probably can't see it, but I have a picture of his actual transcript. Um, oh, which I, I kind of see it. I kind of see it. It looks so, dark. Yeah, it's hard to see. But his transcript basically says that he got a B in public speaking. Which is very interesting Aww. since he became a cult leader. Yeah, it's it's fun to find the little the little figments of your youth. In, yeah, the faults, the little faults. What were the foreshadowing moments that no one paid attention to? Yeah, he might have been overcompensating because he got to be in public speaking, and then he decided to enter the ministry. Okay. So in 1955, Jim Jones decides he's going to start a cult in Indianapolis. Uh, he described this as a church. Though, I was going to say, did cult. he wake up and go, hmm, a cult it is. <laughs> That's today's plan. Um, his church, quote unquote, was originally called the Wings of Deliverance. Uh, but then he changed the name to the People's Temple, which is the one that stuck. Sure. He wanted to build a type of utopia, and he preached that his church would be communist, anti-racist, and socialist. He adopted many interracial kids. He strove for a community that was inclusive of all races and ethnicities. And he claimed to have special powers to heal the sick and dying. Uh, he would often Ooh. stage healings, which reminds me of like the... Um, like the evangelical... Yes. Yeah. Like, like speaking in tongues type yeah, thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so like the super st- fundamentalist people. Yeah, like the hard. Yeah, exactly. Like the hardcore. He would stage these big healings um, in front of audiences, and he would always wear. I have a photo of this for the video. He would always wear dark sunglasses inside, outside, whether it was sunny or not. I remember him looking a little always like sunglasses. Elvis Presley or something. Yes, like, he was very. He has those flashy aviators. Yeah, he yeah he always wore his like greased hair and his uh his sunglasses exactly. Um. So there is a. There's an academic named Catherine B. Abbott who wrote her master's thesis uh, about Jonestown. And here's a quote from one of uh, Jim Jones's sermons about women. So I'm just going to read you this quote. I can't wait. (laughs) (laughs) Imagine me in sunglasses. Okay. (laughs) And this very day, this very day, you women are treated not like a whole piece of shit. Men are treated at least like a whole piece of shit, but women are treated like a little side shit. The big shit show goes for the man. You say, well, why are women not able to make as much wages? Women have the same jobs and make half the pay. We need women to be free. Women just cannot even get free. They can work just as hard. When do you... Nope. Who do you blame for it? You blame your Bible. You can blame your Bible. You can blame your sky god because a woman has never accounted for nothing but a little side shit. She's never been anything. She's never amounted to anything. Woman's supposed to have been the fault of man's fall. Poor damn fool. Okay. So... So... <laughs> Oof. that's a lot to unpack yeah there's a lot going on there. I, um, it sounds so it started it's is it misogynistic at some point i felt like he was rooting for women and then it sounded like he fucking hates them what no happened? he's no no he's saying like women you've never been treated right like men are treated like so much above you even though you work just as hard ah and shit was blame- shit was being used positively yeah, he was like, yes. Well, he's like, he's like, you're treated like a little piece of shit. At least men are treated like an entire piece of shit. And you're only treated like a side shit. That's how like, I, that's how I, I heard it originally negatively of like, oh, like you're, uh, 
I don't even know how I took it. it yeah, it, it, it doesn't hard matter. To unpa- I, I, and to be quite honest, I'm not 100% sure I'm even understanding it correctly. I, I, think, it's, I think it's good that we're, it, it shows our logic that like we, yeah. we can't <laughs> comprehend something that's illogical. It's hard to it's hard to fully grasp. Uh, he also recounts the story of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. He mocks the story. He calls Lucifer Lucifart. Oh, uh, well, wow. Okay, um, and he asserts God was a liar. The snake told the truth. So I'm pretty sure he's basically saying like Christianity is a lie. I'm starting this utopia. All races are equal. All humans are equal. Like I mean, it's basically like that classic story of a utopia. Like everything's gonna be great. Right. Like, we're all just going to be happy, la la, like, you know. And so uh, clearly it doesn't end that way, but that's how it began. Right. So as he gained more and more traction, he would preach less about the Bible and more about social activism. He called himself a prophet. Um, he had hundreds of followers and he was preaching to a very diverse audience. And then sometimes in the er- sometime in the early 60s, he found this article in Esquire, uh, the like men's magazine, that listed the nine safe places in the world in the event of a nuclear catastrophe. Written by my father, I think. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, edited by me. (laughs) Yes. Uh, One of those listed in the article was Eureka, California, which Esquire said escapes damages in the war games attack because it is west of the Sierras and upwind from every target in the United States. So Jim Jones was like, well, I guess that is where I'm going to move my church. Hmm. So he is now in his mid-30s. He moves his church to California. And the, basically the way that he... Do you remember how he made money um, for the church? Mm, mm, no. Let me give you a hint. Call me daddy and I'll sell you a monkey. Quote, <laughs> <laughs> oh. M. Schultz, 2017. I was going to say, <laughs> let's throw that on a shirt. Uh, I'm guessing he sold monkeys. Oh, he was a door-to-door monkey salesman or something. And then Correct. you mentioned your stepmom had a bear or something. Correct. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, he... Right? Didn't that happen? Yes, or am I blacking fully, out? Fully 100%. Okay. Uh, he basically would sell imported monkeys door-to-door, which at the time we were like, that's cool. And now I'm like, that's just really sad now that I've learned a lot more about animal cruelty and all that good stuff. Um, but yeah, he would sell imported monkeys door to door. And then I told a story of how my stepmother and her brothers bought a bear from a catalog Yes, and it escaped, ended up on I-75, you uh, know, and then now, so let's reflect because the first time I heard that story, I didn't know you. Um, <laughs> now, yeah, now that I hear it today, I would not react. I would be like, <laughs> okay, when does it get different? When does it get unique? You're like, yeah, I, I, I figured that probably happened. <laughs> I was like, I'm, I'm shocked it took this long to know that about you, but okay. <laughs> yeah, they bought a, a bear from a catalog, kept it in the sunroom, the playroom, and then their parents got home from like a six-month trip and found it in the sunroom, and then they kept it, and then one day it escaped, and they found it on I-75, and then the Cincinnati Zoo took it in, and they would always come visit it on weekends, and then eventually, obviously, it died, because this was many, many decades ago, but yeah, it lived there for a long time. Yeah, anyway, just the wildest story, Um, and the Cincinnati Zoo did take good care of it, even though this is just a horrific uh, thing that people are selling animals on in catalogs. It's Mm. just wild but anyway so he sold monkeys door to door uh he also would drain all of his churchgoers bank accounts um and you know took all their money basically scientology style to fund the church 
Uh, and it grew and grew. And according to a journalist named Tim Reiterman, uh, the People's Temple attracted decent, hardworking, socially conscious people, some highly educated who wanted to help their fellow man and serve God, not um, uh, not embrace a self-proclaimed deity on earth. And people would flock to the People's Temple uh, because one of the big reasons was because of its marketing. So there were these... Like, he just was, like, a, a king. He was a salesman, I guess. So he was, like, good at marketing. So He was he a these, schmoozer. Yeah. he Yeah. He was very good at selling his product, whatever it may be. Monkeys? Churches? I don't know. Monkeys? Whatever. Check. Churches? Absolutely. You, absolutely. You Double say check. it. I got it. Bada bing, bada boom. Yeah. <laughs> Let me open my briefcase. Yes. <laughs> uh, so you can find pamphlets. There's actually a photo for the YouTube video. You can find pamphlets that were handed out um there are these like flowery quotes about how great of an example jim jones set for humanity um and there were these photos like candid photos of the community with quotes alongside them so there's this photo of all these children uh lifting up a log and the caption was children are given the opportunity to work and play in pleasant outdoor settings they even find that work projects can be fun yikes so Yikes, right. It's like, okay, read between the lines. Children are working. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is child labor, yeah. unpaid child labor. This pamphlet also mentions how that year the People's Temple were doing summer vacation tours where Pastor Jones took hundreds of members from all three churches on a tour of the country. Uh, for example, in 75, Jim Jones took hundreds of members to Disneyland. So oh, okay. It was presented pretty great. Like, they're like, oh, well... We have fun. Uh, we serve humanity. We go to Disneyland. Like, I mean, it's, all it's paid for. It sounds like the perfect first ingredient to a utopia cult where yes. it's like, okay, it starts as a utopia and then it's a cult. <laughs> <laughs> the, Got the, it. The classic two step. Right. <laughs> the one two step as uh, <laughs> as Missy Elliott has uh, said before. Was that Missy Elliott? That's Missy Elliott, right? Sierra. Sierra. Right? Oh my gosh. Or was it? Maybe both of them were in that song. I think. I'm failing my 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 all my '90s babies. I'm so sorry. I think it might have been both were in that song though. So, anyway, um, so but in exchange for all of this like Disney trips and you know this affection and support, followers were expected to devote themselves completely to this utopian project. So basically, they would turn over all their finances. Um, classic cult move. They would work long hours of unpaid labor. They would have to break contact with their families. Um, so, like, that reminds me of Heaven's Gate, where, like, they just mm. were cut off unless right. it was, like, monitored communication. And uh, followers were expected to raise their families and children within the commune. So, as – now, this reminds me of Nexium, speaking of cults. As a show of commitment, People's Temple members were asked to sign false testimonials that they had molested their children. Oof. As, like as – like, as pr- no. as as collateral like collateral in yeah. case in case something happened they had this like fake evidence to make you look terrible it's exactly. also reminds me like, of scientology where they like yes like fair game it's a similar exactly a similar idea and um like in nexium they they had that too where they were they were like we need black or we need blackmail on you or we need collateral and they'd be like i don't have any and they were like well then you need to make it up like yeah. that's just how it operates so um Jim had everyone in the church call him either father or dad, which is where you came up with your lovely call me daddy and I'll sell you I was quote. I immediately heard dad and went, ugh, daddy. Like, I'm sure someone <laughs> fucking called him daddy. Yikes. They did. And, and like, you can hear it in the audio tapes that they still have of ugh, the commune. It's past The current. No, we're past, we're past that holiday. No, I'm just like, fucking pass. Hard pass. No, thank pass, you. Pass, period. <laughs> 
he described himself as Christ, and he one at one point also announced that he considered himself God. Uh, he also took a lot of drugs, which um, no, I know, I know no. that was a sh- shocking. Fact Get out of, of town, man. <laughs> And uh, it was these drugs and maybe his past job history that may or may not have led him to acquiring a pet chimpanzee. Uh, or maybe the, this- the the brain activity that made him think he should get a chimpanzee to begin with. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There were a lot of steps, a lot of one, two, three, four, five, six steps that led to <laughs> this chimpanzee being acquired by Mr. Jones. And the chimpanzee's name was Mr. Muggs. Shut up! I know, and we have a photo. Um, I'm going to put it in the video. I don't think I have it for you here. That's but, okay. Uh, we have a photo for the video of Mr. Muggs, and he's very sweet. Oh. He eventually became sort of like a mascot, much like Geo, uh, for the cult. <laughs> okay, wait a minute. Now I'm starting to see too many similarities. Little, wait a minute. Yeah, it's a little parallel. Remember little that time at, a, at one of the live shows when someone screamed and shouted and called me daddy? <laughs> Um, do you remember like multiple live shows where that happened? Because you literally okay, called yeah, 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 daddy. yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, just I thought maybe I'd add. It's out of context. St- Nobody you knows. You started it. Okay, wait a minute. Sorry to myself. <laughs> sorry, I want you to apologize to me. Directly. I'm sorry, Christine. It's I regret <laughs> it, and also like we've we've done so well at keeping everything a secret about the show that I definitely made it sound more mysteriously X-rated now. So yeah. everyone, if you went to the show, you get it. If not, or maybe you don't get it. You're still like I don't get it, which <laughs> is fair. I still don't get it. So. Okay, but anyway, everyone's being called daddy. We've got a, we've got a mascot. There's We're basically, a mascot. Got it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, who's more popular than us? Yeah, I yep. get it. Um, according to a 1973 article from what they called the Temple Reporter, which was like literally their own newspaper. Love it. Uh, <laughs> what a what a quote, business. <laughs> and I'm like, who was in charge of that? Um, here's the quote: Only 18 months old. This is about Mr. Muggs. Only 18 months old. He has the intelligence of a four year old child. It may sound anthropomorphic, but Muggs will follow every command of Pastor Jones and will defend him when anyone comes up casually to pet the chimpanzee. So he was like a member of the family. Um, And though the People's Temple had gained significant admiration from a lot of left-wing icons, including Angela Davis, Harvey Milk, and the Black Panthers, um, Jim developed this, like, really intense paranoia, Hmm. and he was convinced that the FBI and CIA were after him. Okay. And his church, like, was still growing, though, and he heard there was, like, this expose being written about him and the People's Temple, so he decided it was time to move from California to somewhere a little more isolated, and that is when (laughs) (laughs) he took his big fam and his monkey and went to Guyana. In oh, South where America. where we've performed, obviously. Where oh yeah, our stage is still down there. Yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh huh. He flew all of his hundreds of members to Guyana in 1977. Found a remote section of jungle. He leased it from the government to relocate the People's Temple, and it basically became a working agricultural commune called Jonestown, mm. named after himself. Um, and it was basically considered a utopian settlement away from the meddling media and government of the United States. I see. So over time, more and more people would come and like fly to Guyana to join the movement. There were about 900 people in total. And uh, unfortunately, not shockingly, Jonestown was not quite as utopian as people had envisioned. Mm. 
So it was a small place. Uh, it was a small, tiny place. There were not enough cabins, so everyone was kind of piled on top of each other. There weren't enough resources. It sounds a little bit like Fire Island, remember? The you good know, old days? I was going to say Fire Island. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. That, like, that was actually one of our first real uh, outside of the paranormal. That was one of our first real friendship, like, gossip chit chats where we like when you came over before we recorded and i said sit your fucking ass down we've got to talk yeah i remember I re- that day i remember that was one of the first times i remember thinking during that conversation we're finally not talking about ghosts and i still I like know. her <laughs> wow we're finally talking about another type of crime yeah <laughs> shocker yeah so that's what it sounds like a little bit um so the uh so people came to this place looking for utopia. They ended up working 11 to 12 hour days, which again, sounds pretty fucking familiar mm. uh, to our Hollywood lives. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> the cabins were gender specific, so married couples were split up. And according to an ex-member named Tim Carter, Jim Jones hated romantic relationships within the temple because he was worried that they would be like a threat to his religion, basically. Like they would band together. Yeah, like they, yeah, exactly. So the members, he would, was worried they would be focused um, on their relationship instead of their work. Mm. So this ex-member named Tim Carter said, my wife Gloria and I were one of those couples who never really talked to each other about what our true feelings were about Jones Ugh. because we were afraid that the other might get called up to the carpet. So basically like you didn't know if you could trust the other person. It's also like Scientology again. Yeah. I'm like sure it's pit- like a lot of other cults, but at least with Scientology, I know like you're afraid to even go to your like your own parents about things because they'll write you up if they're in the church right exactly um so furthermore according to an ex-temple follower named joyce houston uh jim said that all of us were homosexuals what all of us were homo (laughs) homosexuals yes okay all all of us except him (laughs) huh he was the only heterosexual on the planet what okay oh was this did you say this the first time around no i didn't know about was, this and when i, I was when say, i found it the, i went what this is the most shocking information of this entire 50 hour episode when Wait. i found it <laughs> so hold on so he so it was gay camp or straight camp but gay camp he made everyone gay he prayed yeah the he's gay like you may them. not yeah, you may not be straight. Pray Only the, I can be pray straight. Pray the straight away. Finally, <laughs> one of those. Oh, my God. <laughs> pray Ugh. the straight away. Except unless you're, like, the person running the camp. Then you're, like, as straight as a fucking arrow. Then you're immune. Yeah. 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 Oh, my God. That is exactly what it was. So he said he was the only heterosexual on the planet and that the women were all lesbians, the guys were all gay, and so anyone who showed an interest in sex was just compensating. Though a married man himself, Jones would supposedly engage in sexual relations with sexual relations with some of his female and male followers, and there were quite a few accounts of harassment, misconduct, and abuse, which, wow. Oh, shocker. Sure. He was sleeping yeah. with who he thought were lesbians. So I'm going to take a stab in the dark and say if he thinks they're lesbians, he's forcing them to sleep with him. Right. It doesn't make any sense. But also he's like kind of gay. Like if he's sleeping with the guys, right? Right. There's a reason. I I think there's a reason he's like so outwardly aggressive about 
everybody's orientation. Like, I'm like, straight seems... as an arrow. I think you're straight exactly. as a circle, bro. Like, look at you <laughs> sleeping with men, screaming about how straight you are. And okay. yelling that everyone else is compensating. And it's like, what? They're already married. Like, leave them alone. Yeah, I don't know. Well, why is being gay so involved in both of these stories? And we didn't even it's know weird, it. It's weird, right? It never, I mean, it's kind of like the first episode of our show. It makes sense <laughs> that this is how we would devolve from there. But this is some queer shit. I'm so about it. Okay. Yeah, me anyway. too. So he would manipulate his followers uh, from things like, so everyone's passports were confiscated. They He would censor letters home. Um, also, if he didn't like your name because it reminded him of someone he didn't like, he would just change your name. I, I mean, um, to be fair, we do that to Megan's. So again, <laughs> another similarity. Also, like the queer thing is really, I feel attacked. Um, <laughs> I don't like how close to home this is becoming. Well, you're not going to like this then because Shit. the first example is a woman named Linda. And he said, I don't, Linda, I don't like your name. So he changed her name to Sharon. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, girl. <laughs> I know. And uh, obviously this place was also in Guyana. So it was super duper hot. People were getting sick. And if you resisted any of his orders, you'd have to answer to his armed guards, which he called the Red Brigade. Lord. Okay. Yikes. So, uh, he was like constantly off his face on drugs, basically. Um, and his followers were always working in this like labor camp, basically. And he would basically spend all his time talking into a loudspeaker over the PA system. Okay, again, and- we spend all of our time talking into <laughs> essentially a big ass PA system. Uh oh. Uh oh. Uh oh. Um, and he would basically go on, rant about his philosophies. And uh, by the way, if you look at his friggin' transcript here, he got a B in philosophy. So I think someone else is overcompensating, and it's he just wants him. that goddamn A. He's trish- I know it's like public speaking and philosophy, and now he's shouting into a PA system about yeah. his personal religion. <laughs> oh boy, great. Um, so basically, like at two in the morning, he would just get on the PA system and start ranting. So like nobody got sleep. Everyone was constantly working. It was miserable. Um, and then when you were done working, you'd have to attend what they called mandatory propaganda classes. So, oh, I don't like that. Okay, <laughs> that um, one I that one I <laughs> I, I turn I turn uh I turn my back on. Uh, really? Because I got an A in that class. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so the Guyanese government actually turned kind of like ignored the the authoritarian ruling of this cult because Jim Jones had sort of sweet talked his way into acquiring this land and he basically presented it to the government as like a benefit because he said uh they would so he would basically speak of their advantages as being an American presence near Guyana's disputed disputed border excuse Mm. me with Venezuela. So it, he, he basically framed it as like a political benefit to them that these Americans were living I see. kind of near the border and this would add to your resistance against Venezuela, basically your defense. Got it. Um, so back in the U.S., parents of inhabitants of Jonestown began to get really concerned by like the weird letters they would get or the lack of letters if they were being censored. So they started uh, lobbying the government to investigate. And this is where our hero comes in, one of our heroes, uh, U.S. Congressman Leo Ryan. Mm. And, and we, I got to, I think you know what I'm thinking too. Do you? What? No, just, no. just tumbleweeds in there. Okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I mean, just another, like, we didn't know then, but like one of, one of the people that work for us, his name is Leo and he's our business manager. Oh, an actual hero. He's an yeah. actual hero. He s- saves us every day. So just. Like, saved us from 
tax accidental tax fraud really truly i we but like wow just so many things that we like had no idea about at the time that no are now clue. just like we were just foreshadowing and we had no it's idea just like uh uh synchronicity yeah anyway leo's wife uh listens to our show pretty uh, religiously so give leo uh, a hug for us because Hi, we, Teresa. again we would not be here 200 episodes later if it weren't for leo keeping us no out of we wouldn't prison. we really wouldn't so out of, out of jail <laughs> out of podcasting jail yes um so oh my god so congressman ryan had heard reports about jonestown and memory many family members of people who were basically asking him uh oh and in the episode by the way I said, <laughs> I was taking myself so seriously, and you called me out because I basically said, Congressman Leo Ryan, and I said, he was a congressman. Um, his name was Leo Ryan, and you were like, oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> like you repeated yourself with the yeah. same information? And you were like, and let me guess, was he a congressman? And I was like, okay. <laughs> wow, I'm funny. I would listen to their podcast. Wow. You got to listen to episode one. It was pretty funny. Oh, that's good. Um, and I was like all flustered (laughs) oh my god so basically this guy congressman ryan flies down with an nbc tv crew which like i think in episode one we failed to like see the potential of this being like an amazing tlc reality show without question he flies to a cult in guyana with a tv crew like hello that sounds like that screams tlc that That screams fire fest hulu documentary (laughs) wait a minute actually come on (laughs) that's literally uh pretty much the same premise yeah (laughs) so he flies down with his nbc tv crew and and they brought along again tlc brought along some of the relatives who were like super concerned about what their families were doing down there what a what a move uh as a producer good call right like filled up a plane with all the drama flew down there um and so unfortunately uh jim jones knew that they were coming Mm. so he basically prepared this like elaborate show uh for his visitors basically once the congressman and his posse flew in uh they flew into an airstrip called port kaituma airstrip which we were going on and on about is there an airport in guyana in the jungle which i guess there's rip jungle airways jungle airways that's right yeah yeah so a truck full of people's temple members were there to pick them up and bring them to Jonestown. And when they arrived, uh, things looked like pretty okay. Like they were surprised at how normal everything looked. Um, a survivor named Vernon Gosney later said that uh, the congressman coming to visit was a huge deal. Uh, they had to repaint the houses. They spruced up the plants. Basically, they sharpened up the whole place to make, like, a positive impression they, on the they congressman. They really zhuzhed it up. Yes, like, they zhuzhed it. Yeah. 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 Because they knew he was coming and it was a big deal. Um, so there was a lot of rehearsal also uh, in the community about what they were allowed to say to the congressman and what they weren't allowed to say. Yikes. Um, yeah. So in a documentary called Jonestown Massacre Paradise Lost, when the crew asked one Jonestown member, how long would you like to stay? They replied, Forever. Just like fucking if, terrifying. If I asked that question and got that answer, I would be like, I immediately don't believe you. <laughs> I would be calling nine one one in my pocket. Like, oh I'd be, really? I'd be like, aren't you sure? Like, <laughs> like we're leaving now. Yeah. Blink twice if you actually yeah. meant I want to go. <laughs> Lemon, put on a yellow shirt. I need to come rescue you. <laughs> don't look at at Lemon's yellow uh, exterior today because it, it's too fishy. Too fishy. <laughs> I knew it. Um, in a lot of the footage, there's like all these, I love it here. Like they were just clearly putting on airs. It's really creepy. 
Um, and Jones was well aware of how this visit like depended how much right like basically wrote on this visit um, and how he needed Congressman Ryan to, to leave with a positive report, basically. Mm. So he also scheduled a fun event. Uh, it was a dance in the pavilion for Congressman uh, Ryan's arrival. So, All right. <laughs> yeah. So things were seemingly normal. Um they're like having this dance and he's like okay i mean i guess they're fine and then all of a sudden someone slips him a note Mm. and the person who slips him a note is that same guy i mentioned earlier vernon gosney who was a survivor and the note says help us get out of jonestown so now this is becoming like a horror movie yeah um but also if you're the producer of that tlc show you're like oh i fucking hit the jackpot like yeah you're like write it a little bigger on a clearer (laughs) make your handwriting a little better and then hand it again (laughs) and also you over there pick up my fucking lettuce (laughs) here's a plastic knife oh god so uh that night he got more of these letters it wasn't just from vernon like he got multiple notes from people being like i want to leave so Yikes. at this point, he's like, okay, things are not as great as they're making it out to be. Right. So the following morning, November 18th, Congressman Ryan makes a decision that he will be returning to the U.S. with the people who have slipped him a note saying they want to leave. He says, you know, he makes an announcement basically, and he says, anyone who wants to leave Jonestown can come with me back to America. And there are about 20 people that came forward. Ooh, okay. And so like, as far as context goes, uh, if you wanted to leave Jonestown at this point, you had to have Jim Jones permission. So uh, while this like clause, this get out clause from Congressman Ryan may have sounded appealing, um, a lot of the community was too scared to come forward because they knew they weren't allowed to. Right. So even Jim's though permission. even though 20 people said yes, they still it was more than 20. Yes. Those were just the 20 bravest ones. Exactly. Those were like the ones desperate enough to leave. And there were a lot of people who were too scared to go with them. Right. Um, So as Vernon explains in the documentary, his roommate had previously attempted to escape and was apparently punished so badly that he never tried to escape again. And it's unclear like what happened. But like I mentioned it later, but they had like sensory deprivation boxes and like really scary, you know, torture mechanisms in that way. So who knows? But it was bad news. Um, So Congressman Ryan and his team loaded these like 20 some people uh, onto a truck and they drove to the airstrip and Congressman Ryan actually stayed behind to kind of like triple check that everything was okay. Like, hello, is anyone else wanting to come? Yeah. Like blink twice. Come with me. Exactly. (laughs) Trying to save as many people as he could. But no one else came back uh, or said they wanted to go back. So as the truck was getting ready to go, uh, so they hop in the truck, they go to the airstrip, and as the truck is getting ready to leave, or he's heading to the truck, sorry, to leave, a devout member of Jonestown runs up to him and attempts to slash his throat, Congressman Ryan's throat. Now, he fails. Okay. But Congressman Ryan's like, cool, I get it, I'm out. Like It's been real. It's It's, been real. Too real, maybe. Uh, Catch you later. Catch you on the flippity flop. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's been a little too real for me. So he's like, okay, I get it. No one else wants to come. I'm leaving. So the truck goes to the airstrip, but the plane is a bit delayed. So they're waiting for the plane when all of a sudden a truck from Jonestown turns up. Oh, fuck. It's full of cult members, all armed with guns. <gasps> and they start shooting. So basically, almost everybody was killed. It's was horrible. Was Leo killed? Including Congressman Leo Ryan. Fuck. 
who was a congressman named Leo. Fuck. That guy. <laughs> yeah. That oh. guy. Our guy. Our hero. He is killed. Uh, th- there are journalists who are killed. Um, there are multiple, m- most of the members who are trying to escape are killed. Um, and there were only a few survivors, including Vernon Gosney, who later reported some of the stuff I've mentioned. So how did they get out? Was one of them just like, luckily a fucking pilot? Like, I think some of them were able to get on the plane and leave. And the rest had just been murdered. And they if just it was just behind. if it was just you and me at, at some point, and we were stranded, and the only way out was a plane that worked perfectly, I'd be like, "Christine, <laughs> I'm sorry, but we're stuck here." We'd be like, "Let's just sit down and have a snack. We're done." <laughs> I wouldn't even like. I couldn't even tell you the first a hundred <laughs> steps to start a plane. Well, they were waiting on a plane, so I I, I oh, assume okay. a plane came at some point, and then the whoever was killed was like obviously dead and then the the remaining survivors i assume left okay with the plane and were like holy shit i see i thought it was like a completely grounded plane and everyone was boarding all together or something or no and- yeah the plane hadn't gotten there yet so i'm pretty sure gotcha. um the survivors left on the plane uh and obviously not most people did not survive i got gotcha. um, another survivor was actually uh one of congressman ryan's aides named jackie spire who actually she survived five gunshots holy shit and is now a congresswoman representing california's 14th district oh the, the I mean, wildest news yikes but also like okay so that also for me is shocking because i just said that it i to me that story is so much older than me but then, yeah, like, you realize, yeah. like, oh, people are from that are still alive yeah. and, like, have those memories. It's one of those – I don't – time doesn't it's make so sense It's so hard to, to conceptualize. Yeah, yeah. completely. Um, completely. So as this was happening at the airstrip, so back at Jonestown, uh, Jim Jones assembled all of his followers in the pavilion, and he told them that something was happening at the airstrip, but he was not the one responsible for it. <laughs> but I know everything about it. But, but it's weird. It's weird that I know everything, but uh-huh. yeah. I had nothing to do with it. And also, there's a lot of us missing right now coming back from the airstrip. But don't <laughs> worry a, about it. They just wanted an Annie Ann's pretzel. It's a coincidence. <laughs> um, he told them that someone was going to assassinate Congressman Leo Ryan, but Jim was not the one behind it. I know about it, and I could prevent it, but I don't know anything. <laughs> I could have prevented the entire thing, but I didn't. Um <gasps> He tells the community that when the United States finds out about this attack, they are going to come down on us. They're going to, quote, torture and kill us, and we've got to do something about it. So basically, he starts fear-mongering in this way of, like, we're now the culprits behind killing this congressman, and, like, we're going to be in such big trouble. Mm. And so once, once he gets the news that Congressman Ryan has been killed, he basically, like, loses it. He goes full steam ahead into his plan for a mass suicide. Wow. Now, there's an audio tape, which I mentioned in episode one, that you can actually listen to on YouTube. It's very disturbing. Um, it's very creepy. Okay. But you can hear basically like the whole leading up to and during this event, this, this mass death. So some quotes from uh, Jim Jones in what is now known as the death tape uh, include the following. If we can't live in peace, let's die in peace. We are not committing suicide. It's a revolutionary act. We can't go back. They won't leave us alone. Congressman Ryan is responsible for this. He brought all these people to us. Mm. They're purposefully agitating the death of our children. They're going to come after our children, and then our children will suffer forever. 
Don't be afraid to die. 50 people will land here and torture some of our children, our seniors, our people. We can't let this happen. And then finally, die with a degree of dignity. Don't go down with tears and agony. This isn't the way for socialist communist people to die. So he, uh, he I mean, I could see why he convinced a lot of people. He said the word children a lot. And a lot, was, right? Of just like, do this for the kids, do this for the kids. They're going to get tortured if you yeah. don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like weaponizing them. Like if you don't kill them, they're going to be killed. It's like. uh, Exactly. And also I'm Jesus and can control everything. But this I can't stop. (laughs) And also I have sunglasses on, so I really can't see very well. But (laughs) as far as I know. Yeah. Um, So uh, I mentioned this in the first episode and you remembered it is that there is a woman named Christine. Mm. Her name's Christine Miller. And she was born June 4th. She has the same birthday (gasps) as me. So that's fun for oh me gosh. and not her, I'm sure. But fun for me. Um, and she's basically the only one who, like, resisted Jones. And you were not allowed to resist Jim Jones. Like, that is not a thing that was allowed. Uh, but she basically just spoke her mind whenever she wanted to. And people just kind of let her do it. Um, so some of the punishments were sensory deprivation boxes, being drugged in the medical unit, um, being threatened to be shot. But Christine kind of, like, passed by all that. One time she was threatened to be shot, uh, and she said, shoot me, but you'll have to respect me first. Oh, shit. Wow. And she said it three times, and then Jim backed down. So (laughs) she was a badass. She, like, kind of had nothing and everything to live for. Wow. Yeah, she uh, she was... She was a she was kick ass. That was yeah. bold. I wonder why like everyone just kind of let her get away with that bullshit. I don't know. I think she just was like a strong, independent woman. You know, she was like, like the only person not, n- not entirely. <laughs> she's like the only person not entirely falling for this stuff. So I guess maybe yeah. like maybe they all at least all the people who should have done something kind of knew that this place was like something was up, and maybe they really respected her confidence and like yeah, like, I think they were kind of like respectful and like maybe a little intimidated by her. Yeah. Wow. So actually on the death tape, you can hear Christine Miller re- uh, retaliating. And she mm. tries to plead the case that everyone is an individual. They should have their right to their own opinion. And she suggests instead that they airlift to Russia. And Jim Jones says, it's too late for that. And then she point out blank says, I'm afraid to die. And then she makes the following case. I think the babies deserve to live. And then Jim Shit. says, I know it's it's fucking terrible. And then Jim says, I agree, but I think they deserve peace. And she tries to use this belief system against him, but he is not having it. So finally, the crowd turns on her and they start heckling her for speaking out against their leader, basically. Oh, shit. Um, And finally, about 22 minutes into the recording, we hear the report that the congressman has been murdered, to which Jim responds, it's all over. so he starts going get moving get moving get moving and you can hear this on the tape and he orders for large vats of flavorade not kool-aid yep that i remember (laughs) to be brought out do you remember your guess of what flavor you guessed well i remember well i know the answer is grape but i remember it being i remember always thinking it was just like classic red kool-aid yeah, so I guess grape, you guess cherry. Turns out it was grape. So I, I got one point in the history of our podcast. So good for me. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was grape flavored, which a bunch of people told us later on in the show. Uh, laced with cyanide and Valium. You know, so. when we first started this, that was 
I like didn't hear the word cyanide every week <laughs> back then. Yeah. <laughs> that was like the first time I ever heard it. And I was like, what's cyanide? And now every time you speak on or off air, I'm like, when are you going to mention cyanide? <laughs> You're like, stop talking about cyanide, Christine. There's other things like fire, 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 fire like, vest. Not everything about. smells like almonds, Christine. Okay, we uh-huh. got to go. <laughs> <laughs> Can we get a move on? Oh, yep. That's our life. Yep. Um, so they had had these like trial runs over and over and over, like these practice drills and they were called white knights and he would base like N I G H T S. And he would, it was a test of his followers, faith and loyalty where he would wake everyone up in the middle of the night at like 3am and say, they're coming for us. They're coming for us. You need to drink the Kool-Aid. And so they would like all line up, drink the Kool-Aid. And then he would say that was just a drill. So it was... Would he actually have, would they have have to drink non-laced Kool-Aid, like go completely yes. through with it? Oh, yes. so when they finally did it this time, maybe they, some thought it was a drill again? Yes. So there's no way to know if they even knew that this was like the time that it was actually happening or if they thought it was another drill because that's what they were used to. And he wow. would make it feel really real. Like he would be like, wake up, wake up. They're coming to the com- compound. Like they're coming for us they're coming for the children drink the you know i mean this is a very obvious statement but that's so manipulative like i just so manipulative it's just wild like of course you would like always like give them like really low lows and then really high highs and then like just to like keep them always like keep them on their toes and be like i'm testing you always it's yeah yeah, it's so fucked Mm -hmm. so they had done this a million times um and he would say this is just a drill there's no cyanide in your kool-aid so they knew what was what the plan was basically um and so most of the group basically made their peace with drinking the kool-aid and anyone who was in the resistance would be injected with it even if this was just a drill so like if you resisted it like you were injected with it anyway then they found like needle marks on people later so that's how they confirmed that it's fucking awful it's horrifying um so in the recording there's a woman who advises the crying people not to be crying this is something that we should all rejoice about just relax like it's so fucking creepy to listen to um it's so so creepy you can hear screaming children you can hear uh people approaching the microphone to thank dad for giving them life yeah and also to thank him for giving them death and then i think like the the creepiest most like eerie part is not the screaming but when the screaming stops oh yeah so they made the dissenters go first, uh, you know, to eliminate basically any resistance. Right. I was going to ha- say the people who, like, were literally running around and chasing people with needles, I assume they were the most trusted people. And, like, yeah, so or, they went yeah. after the fact. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. The people who were, like, all, totally on board yeah. went last. Yeah, exactly. And they also had guards with guns. So, like, you didn't really have much of a choice unless you wanted right. to be shot. Um, but, like, if you... Okay, sorry, just stupid. Like, uh, if you don't do this, you'll get shot. But if you live, then other people will come and shoot you. Like, it's... Yeah, it's just like, lose, 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 lose. Yeah. yeah, no matter what, you're dying. You're I've already decided, yeah. Yeah, you're screwed, exactly. Jim Jones himself was killed by a single gunshot wound. And actually, nobody knows whether it was self-inflicted um, or if somebody else did it. And the, the guess is that he did it to himself. Um, hmm. But obviously, you know, we still don't know if... Because there were many guns on this compound. We don't know if somebody sure. else did it or if he ordered somebody to do it. Uh, but right. he did not drink the Kool-Aid. So that's an interesting 
Wow. But he was also straight and nobody else on the planet was. So Right. Only gay people have to drink so spe- flavor aid. So. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> um, so Guyanese troops were the first to reach Jonestown. They came the next morning, discovered a total of 913 people dead Fuck. in a field. This included 276 children. So mm. almost a third of these people were children. Um, wow. Two-thirds of the victims were classified as African-American. Mr. Muggs, the chimpanzee, was also killed. Oh. uh, It's really fucking sad, all of it. The military came in. Do we know who the one was that, like, killed Mr. Muggs? I don't know. Because someone had to do it. Like, he didn't know whether or not he should drink the flavored, right? Or did they just hand him a cup? Well, apparently they said he did whatever Jim Jones told him to. So maybe he was like... Drink this fun water. I don't know. Shit. Okay. Makes me sad. Makes me really sad. Um, so, yeah. Uh, Mr. Muggs was also killed. The military came in the following days, and there are these, like, as you mentioned, these horrifying pictures of just bodies. Hundreds and hun- I mean, almost a thousand bodies on the mm. ground. Like, it's just a mass, mass tragedy. It's it's really horrific. Um, there was one elderly woman named Hyacinth Thrash who... This is a great line. She either slept through the whole thing or hid under her bed to discover everyone dead the next day. Holy shit. That is... (laughs) We should have done a story where she was the main character and we just wrote the whole story around what she'd been doing the whole time. (gasps) TM, TM, TM. TM, 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 TM. It's just called Hyacinth Snap. And she wakes up and she's (laughs) like, what happened? (laughs) It's on Discovery or TLC or something. And it's just like, (laughs) instead of like, you know, strange addiction, it's like, I just slept all day and then I, I woke up to a really bad scene. I just love that like they don't know if she did it on purpose or if she just fell asleep. I I think it'd be like I didn't know I was pregnant, but it's like I, yes! didn't, know how, I didn't know how fucking exhausted I was. I didn't know everyone around me was dying by mass suicide. Yikes. Oops. Oopsies. Yeah. Oopsies. Um, so the U.S. Air Force was sent in to clear the bodies. Um, in a New York Times article in 96, Hyacinth remembers Jim Jones saying, uh, or sorry, Hyacinth remembers that Jim Jones was nice at the time and revealed that he urged her to sell her Indianapolis home for $35,000 and then give him all the proceeds. Huh, okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And then on uh, the night of the suicide, when Jim Jones called everyone to the pavilion, she said she refused to go, declaring to her sister that she was sick of Jim Jones. <laughs> wow, I love her. <laughs> Hyacinth is, a, is my hero, yeah. Well, she probably was like, another one of these drills. Like, I'm like oh my, so tired of so off-brand Kool-Aid flavor grape. Can we get some cherry in the mix? Come it's on. Like, just wake me up when there's like a blue raspberry situation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Um, a couple other people did survive, uh, including Jim Jones' son, Stephen. And in a weird turn of events, days before the arrival of Congressman Ryan Stephen and the Jonestown basketball team had left for the capital of Guyana, Georgetown, to play a series of games against the Guyanese national squad. And according to Stephen, his father, Jim Jones, was really nervous and was like, I don't want them to leave because they might turn against the religion. Um, but Stephen said he believes his mother kind of knew what was going to happen and was trying to help him get out by mm. sending him and the basketball team out of town. Got it. That's kind of a weird fact. Um, and there was another lady who was an original member, but she didn't make it down on time, quote unquote, for the suicide. And to this, to the day she died, she said, I wish I would have been there with my colleagues to have committed suicide with them, end quote. 
Holy shit. So, so she like was someone committed. out there still believes everything yes. Jim Jones said. But- Which also sounds like Heaven's Ooh. Gate where they still maintain the website and are like, no, right. no, my colleagues are out there and I can't wait to join them. Like, same thing. I thought she was going to be like, you know, starring in the TLC episode of I didn't know how late I was. To yeah, put- I missed my flight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no. Okay. So, wow. She is she's, one of she's a kind. regretful. Yeah. Um, so despite this being called a mass suicide, there's a lot of deliberation, uh, understandably so, over whether this is actually a massacre or a mass murder rather, rather than a suicide. Right. Because um, it basically boils down to Jim Jones, like, forcing this upon his members because he didn't want people to know what was going on inside his community. Well, some of them were certainly murder murders if they yes. were being stabbed with it. So Exactly, exactly. And according to the New York Times, the first trained uh, medical official on the scene was the Guyanese coroner, and he and his assistants examined over 100 of the bodies, and he found that the adults had all been injected with cyanide in places which they could not have reached without assistance, uh, such as between their shoulder blades, and many of them had also been shot. So this is over 100 of the 900. So who knows how many there were that were forced into this. Jeez, uh, so that means like on some level like almost a tenth of them at least kind of knew that this wasn't right and they yes. all wanted to leave we're Shit. against this idea yeah which is horrifying um so one of the first u.s soldiers named charles huff on the scene also reported having seen seen many gunshot victims um as well as victims who had been shot with a crossbow who appeared uh to have been attempting to flee oh my god um, and the coroner also felt that children were incapable of consenting to suicide. So that eliminates them from the equation, Bingo. understandably so. And they were almost a third of the group. Wow. Um, and so based on these findings, uh, the coroner speculated that the majority of those who died may have been murdered rather than have um, died by suicide. And so uh, despite Guyana requiring an autopsy for any unnatural death, um, uh, the Americans insisted that the cause of death was readily apparent, so they didn't need any additional inquiry. Yep. Uh, And for a number of reasons, the bodies weren't flown out uh, for up to a week, and then the bodies were so decomposed it was really difficult to – they couldn't find any, like, injection marks at that point. So it just was off the table that that was even something they could count. Um, So – there's a, a, some weird speculation as far as, like, the CIA being involved. So the day that Congressman Ryan was killed, his top aide, Joe Holsinger, uh, who later became head of the DNC, received a White House call detailing the exact number of people killed based on a CIA report from the scene, which is weird because, huh. like, nobody arrived until the next morning. So the fact right. that he had gotten a call that day was very odd. Hmm. Um, according to a 1980 Washington Post article, a CIA agent may have witnessed Leo Ryan's assassination as well as the murder-suicides. Wow. Um, and then... Congressman Ryan's lawyer said he plans to prove that the State Department and the CIA possessed vital information about the Jonestown situation and were aware of the extreme danger involved in Ryan's ill-fated fact-finding mission. So they believe the CIA knew this could happen. I I believe that the CIA would have gotten involved after the fact because, like, this was at the at that time like one of the biggest travesties of the country. Right. But like, yeah, for to for them to have already had some sort of intel. Yeah, that's disturbing. Yeah. And apparently on the death tape, you can hear Jim Jones himself barking the instruction about 20 minutes in saying, get Dwyer out of here before anything happens to him. Hmm. Uh, And then he says, I'm not talking to you, (laughs) Daryl. I said Dwyer. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> which I love. But apparently, investigators say the reference was to Richard Dwyer, who was deputy chief, deputy chief of the U.S. mission in Guyana, who was part of Congressman Ryan's party to Jonestown. Mm. Um, so they're saying that Jim basically was like, okay, get him out of here. Keep him safe. Uh, gotcha. And they think he was in on it or knew about it. Um, and when they asked him, he said if he had worked for the CIA, uh, he said no comment. So that's an odd comment. Oh, shit. Okay. Um, so there's just a lot of weirdness and, like, obviously conspiracy theories. Uh, after – so this is kind of just, like, a – a summary here about episode one you basically your take on this whole thing was that if you were to leave this plane this planet earth the last thing you would want to drink uh would not be flavor aid and i still no. concur with you on that one i also concur with myself even you said i'd like a glass of wine uh and i said I, yeah a valium and a glass of wine is how i'd like to go as well i well i do have a a I've said it many times, but I'm like, if I haven't drank yet, like my tolerance is so low that like, if I knew, if I saw that the apocalypse yeah. was like within 24 hours was going to happen, I'd get obliterated and it wouldn't take very long. And that way I wouldn't have to even like know what was going I on. I sometimes think that I'm like, I would just take a bunch of like, dr I would just be like, where's heroin? <laughs> Give it to me. <laughs> I don't know. Where is it? Meanwhile, Help I, me. would, I would need something so much. I'd be like, where's a Smirnoff ice? Where's... <laughs> Where's Mike's hard lemonade? <laughs> Where's my wine cooler? I can't. I would, um, I would, it would, and for us, they would be the same level of fuck up ability. I'd but be on like, heroin and you'd be on a Mike's heart and we'd be like, <laughs> goodbye, cruel world. I really do think I like if I found out that like I was going to die in 24 hours, I'd be like, I'm see you at the bar then. I'm getting fucked up. I'd be there waiting for you. So yeah. don't worry. Anyway, that is the story of Jonestown. And I know this was the longest episode maybe in history, but uh, I think, you know. It was worth it, it. It's fine. We had to do justice to episode number one. We really did. I, I don't think, you know, I think for as long as it was like, look, y'all last week told us that you didn't mind the long episode. So ta da. This is your fault. Uh, <laughs> no, I think it's it's a, an homage of sorts. So yeah. it's. But no, I, I, I think you did a great job. Also, in the middle of you telling the story, I remembered the movie that I had probably mentioned last time in yeah. the first episode. I don't remember what it was called, but I don't think it was a documentary. I think it was like a movie retelling of it. Oh, you called it a documentary and then you said, well, I guess it wasn't really a documentary, but yeah, I don't know it, what well, it was. Because the only scenes I remember are like scenes of it actually happening. And what you said that jogged my memory was that people were like getting stabbed with the needles. And I remember- That's actually what you brought up in episode one, where I hadn't really realized that, or it wasn't oh. even in my notes. And you were like, that's- you were like, I'm about to blow your mind. And then you told me that fact. <laughs> well, like a year later, I'm still blowing my own mind. Because like, I, I remember that scene of like watching people like struggling and not wanting it. And then like, pe like a bunch of people holding them down while another person injected it. And they're just like, I just remember screaming. It was it's, really terrible. It's all horrific. And I think the biggest travesty is like the number of children that were unwittingly like brought here. And, I, and I remember a scene where like the mom was like talking to her kids oh, and like, God damn it pretending like saying like oh we're just going to sleep like it was really oh, terrible God. i mean it's just bad um well look i think last time we uh we finished out these stories we said that like hopefully our moms listen one day and pretend to like it uh -huh. so and then um, you i texted that to my mom and she's like oh well i still don't listen and i was like yeah thanks i know <laughs> my mom doesn't either she listens 
<laughs> she listens every now and then and I can tell that she isn't caught up because she'll like be like, I didn't know that you're doing this this week. And I'm like, I did that eight months ago. <laughs> but uh, so it's I guess some things just don't change. But it's nice to know that <laughs> more people than just our moms ended up listening. So uh, first of all, before we close, I do want to say thank you to cast for giving me such a nice spooky setup. Seriously, um, it's if beautiful. You, it's very, very nice. And if you have been to our live shows, which again, we're trying to keep very, very private, except now you guys know the daddy thing, which probably brings out a lot of allure. Um, Everyone's trying to return their tickets now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but if if you have been to our show or if you've seen pictures um, of the stage before our show, then you know that this is uh, inspired off of our tour that we are currently not on. But uh, you, you casted a very good job. So I want to say thank you. Yes, um, thank also, you cast. thank you to everybody who has made 200 episodes possible. Holy shit. I, I know. I'm so mind blown every time I think about it. There are some people um, only like this morning who on Twitter are like posting like that they were on like their Spotify, their like Spotify. final playlist. And they're like, I've been listening since day one. So there are some people who've literally listened to 200 episodes not including listener episodes like so 250 episodes wow and uh so just it means a lot thank you to all of you and especially to farmer bob makes my heart swell and farmer bob and thank you em i feel very very honored and blessed that you still are you know wanting to be by my side despite all of my flaw my many flaws (laughs) stop it no i can't believe and it's in 200 episodes we have uh learned a whole lot about each other and done a whole lot of things i never thought would happen yes Uh, Yes. and uh, wow we just what what a what a story for the grandkids i know i mean if it it all ends today like we still have quite a tale to tell so (laughs) if it all ends today i'll catch you at the bar and i'm getting oh right that's right on my wine cooler I'll go to Bobby Mackey's. It's only 15 minutes from my house. <laughs> Perfect. I'm going to go see you there. And also, uh, after this, I'm going to text you Farmer Bob's phone number. So, Oh, I um, can't wait for a three-way call. <laughs> anyway, thank you, everybody, so much for everything. And uh, that's it. I, we'll see I, you next week for our usual bullshit. Yeah, damn. I still don't know how to close these out after uh, 200 episodes. We still don't. Yeah, it's, it's never going to happen. So don't get uh, your hopes up. All right. Well, and? That's? Why? We drink. (laughs) Yay. Hey, Mom. First things first, thank you. It's my one-year anniversary of my decision to say, yes, I need help, and yes, I choose me. And that's the miracle. I'm lucky that the strongest person I know is my own mother, Love you, Mom. Maxwell. Be that strong person who makes the difference. If your loved one is struggling with drugs and alcohol, reach out to Karen for a different kind of addiction treatment. Visit caron.org slash lost.